Live from Chatterbox Sports Studios, it's Off the Bench with Tom Brenneman. All right, well, a pleasant good Monday morning to you, or as pleasant as it possibly could be. This is Off the Bench. I am Trace Fowler, and this is presented by United Dairy Farmers. It was, uh, let's call it what it was. It was a tough weekend. It was a weekend to forget if you are a Cincinnati sports fan. That is, of course, if you're a fan of the Bearcats and the Bengals. It's remarkable how quick the narrative, if you will, could change just on a couple simple plays in a football game. If the Bearcats can execute a 35-yard field goal, one in which they probably practice a million times, and they probably execute it at a 99% clip. But that's practice. This is when the lights are on. And this is the game. You can see where this is going because the Bearcats did not execute on that 35-yard field goal. The Bengals, if they complete a drive, they take a lead 17-3, or excuse me, 17-13 against the Ravens. And this Monday morning right now would probably feel much different. Instead, as mentioned, the Bearcats missed the field goal. They lose in overtime to their arch rival, the Miami Redhawks. Burrow throws the interception. Ravens then punch that in. They take a lead 20-10, to 10, and everything is not the same anymore. The same reasons that we all love sports are the same reasons that it gives us so much pain. 0-2 is familiar territory for this Bengals, especially when they're led by Joe Burrow. 2020, 0-2 start. 2021, 1-1 start. 2022, 0-2 start. And now another 0-2 start. One could argue that every single year that I just said has a different reason as to why they started poorly. This one feels different, though. This one is different. It's different because of Joe Burrow's health. There's a ton to cover here, and we'll probably get into all of it. Was he ever 100%? Was he ever 100% healthy? Or did Burrow use his influence to overrule some judgment that maybe was there, and it was just kind of pushed aside because why? He's Joe Burrow. Or perhaps he was 100%. Doctors checked him out, cleared him of everything. You're good to go. He felt like he was good to go, and he just so happened to re-aggravate it. I don't know if we'll ever get the truth on that. Does it matter, some might ask? I think it does matter, and here's why. If Joe Burrow was rushed back, or he kind of used his influence, if you will, because he just wanted to play. Can you blame a guy? He just wanted to play. He just signed the biggest deal in NFL history. Athletes are all wired differently. They are. They usually don't put their health first. Especially, especially when they realize they have teammates that are relying on them. They want to be in the locker room. They want to help out. They see their guys practicing every single day and they're just not there and it kills them. It burns them inside because they just want to play. Athletes rarely, if ever, are going to put their health at the top of the priority list. It's just not going to happen. However, the reason I think it matters is because if he thought that he was 100% and doctors thought he was 100% and they cleared him and he thought he was good to go and he was all the way back, 
I think that's of a concern because the chance of knowing that when you should play again or when it's 100% healthy, if doctors cleared it already once and he thought he was 100%, when do you bring him back? That's the concern. So what do you do? You're starting 0-2. The season's literally on the brink. It's, it's, it's legitimately on the brink. I'm not going to say the season's over. You shouldn't say the season's over either. I think that's a little outlandish to say the season's completely over after an 0-2 start. But I think we're in a scenario where, you know, Joe Burrow, in and of himself, you have to factor in what the long-term health is here. You don't punt on a season. But you did just give this guy $219 million guaranteed. Guaranteed. Doesn't matter. Guaranteed. He's going to be the quarterback for this franchise unless something catastrophic happens until 2029. Or 2029. 2029, he will be the quarterback for the Cincinnati Bengals. Might I also remind you, this is precisely, this is precisely why Joe Burrow had to get a deal done before he ever played one more snap in the NFL. And he did. To his credit, he did. He would have been an idiot not to. And this is exactly why. Because now you have questions swirling, like it or not. You have people asking the question, well, is he the same? Is he hurt? Is he the, is, was it a flash in the pan? All of that is a little premature, yes. But the only way to make a superstar athlete average or obsolete is injury. It's the only way. Yes, father time catches up with everyone, but father time isn't catching up to Joe Burrow by 2029, okay? Should a calf injury, a calf injury, be the reason that Joe Burrow's never going to be the same? Of course not. Of course not. But playing him hobbled, playing him less than 100%, he's one major knee surgery already in. To me... It would be malpractice to play him, anything less than 100%. I'm not suggesting you punt on the season. Some of you are probably suggesting right now to me that if he doesn't play, the season's over. It's season's over. You can't get by the next two to three weeks with, with, with the backup quarterback situation and expect to be able to make the postseason. So you're just punting on the season. I'm suggesting that this is the type of player in Joe Burrow that you can't afford to risk long-term future effects he has to sit. He has to sit. Now, I get the backup situation is not ideal. I'm well aware of that. However, when you have a franchise quarterback here until 2029, getting a, getting a guaranteed contract of $219 million, you don't play on anything less than 100%. In fact, I'll take it up to 110% for the crowd that wants to make that a thing. I've always thought that was the dumbest shit I've ever heard. Excuse me, kids show. But 110%, 100% is as high as you can go. It's 100%. But if you, if you like, listen to that, let's do this. 110%. Joe Burrow shouldn't play until he's 110%. Otherwise, it's just stupid. We'll get into the Bengals. Burrow... Where you go from here, I'm sure there's many thoughts around the room. I'm sure the chat has their own thoughts. We'll get into all of that. The Cincinnati Reds were a little bit of a bright spot outside of yesterday, of course. They went 5-2 and two this past week. 
They got 11 games, three off days, which will help. Five teams vying for two spots. They will tonight have a first pitch of 640, which is the dumbest first pitch time in the history of Great American Ballpark, but they continue to do it. They will face the Twins. Connor Phillips. Connor Phillips will be pitching in meaningful baseball games here at the end of this season until the foreseeable future. He will face off against Joe Ryan and the Twins. And if, for those that care, the Twins are favored to win this game. They are currently sitting at minus 150. The Bearcats, as mentioned, they lost the victory bell for the first time since Twitter existed. By Twitter, I mean x.com. Congratulations to the Red Hawks. It's the first time they were able to put on social media that they have the victory bell. College football was a snooze fest. It was, it was, it was disgusting. As a diehard college football fan, I must admit that this was a black eye in the sport, if you will, this past Saturday. When college game day, okay, is going to Colorado for a 20-plus point spread against Colorado State, when was the last time you even thought? I get Dion. I've sat up here and preached, preached about Dion and said that I, you know, I, I, I love what he's doing. I think he's great for the game, et cetera, et cetera. But when you are going to put game day at the epicenter of Colorado versus Colorado State, things are bad. Things are bad. You see, uh, they obviously look pretty bad as well. But they do get a chance to bounce back. They do get a chance to bounce back and right their wrong. Is it going to be a tall task? You bet your tail it is. They will look to get their conference, star, uh, conference play started for the first time in the Big 12 as they host the Big Noon kickoff. That is at noon, for those that are counting, against the Oklahoma Sooners. And in the NFL, for those that care, the Falcons, they beat the Packers 25-24. Josh Allen and the Bills, they bounce back. They defeat the Raiders 38-10. Seahawks defeat the Lions 37-31. Titans edge the Chargers 27-24. The Bucks, the Bucks, should we start taking them serious? They beat the Bears 27-17. Wouldn't put a whole lot of stock in that because the Bears aren't very good. The Chiefs bounce back. They beat the Jags 17-9. Colts, they don't need Jonathan Taylor. 31-20 against the Texans. Texans are pretty bad. Is Sean McVay, <laughs> I don't know. Is Sean McVay spread watching? I'm not going to accuse him of gambling on the games, but I'm just asking. Is he looking at the spread? Does he know about it? Seems that way. They kick a last-second field goal to cover the spread, but they lose the real game. 30-23 against the 49ers. Cowboys are the best team in the NFL. They smacked the Jets 30-10. to And the Commanders win 35-33 to against the Denver Broncos. So here we sit. There's two Monday night football games tonight. The Browns face the Steelers. And what a game. I don't know if many people care. And if you didn't get a chance uh, to watch Sunday night football and you went to bed early, no worries. Because the Dolphins are pretty damn good. They beat the Patriots, and it seems like the Patriots might be dead. They lose 24-17. to Patriots are 0-2 at home in Gillette Stadium. It's a, is it official that uh, we, we'll get to the Bengals? I get all that. We'll get to Monday Night Football. Before we get to the Bengals, though, um, it just feels like the Patriots are finally dead. Uh, really quickly, before we get into the Bengals, I want, you, I want a yes or no answer. Are the Patriots dead. Read mouse. 
Uh, hi, Trace. No, I don't think the Patriots did. Hi, my name's Nicholas Reed Mouse. Um, I guess you could say my name essentially is uh, Nicky Mouse. Woohoo! Um, I've come in off the worst ten-day stretch of sports watching in the history. So much so that I don't want to. I don't. I, I just don't want to talk about sports right now. So. Um, if you guys want to talk about the flood in Libya, we could do that. I see House Republicans put forth a short-term deal to fund the government. Maybe we could talk about that, guys. How, how are you doing, Elliot? Yeah, I've been better. <laughs> I've just been better. Not a great day, if I'm going to be honest. Waking up this morning was tough. Last night was a debacle, getting out of a garage for three and a half hours, sitting in there after a Bengals team that just hasn't showed up yet this season. They're just dead. Reds look good. Reds look good. Back-to-back uh, -back series victories. I don't know why they keep punting on these sweep games, but whatever. If they want to keep doing that, that's fine. Win the series. That's all I can ask for. But, yeah, I've been better. Not a great day. Probably, you know what? If I had to give, it a, if I had to give a ranking today, to, to today, be a two. Be a two out of ten. Casey? You having a better day, Case? Uh, not much better than that. Um, I'd say like a three and a half, a four. It's not been a great, not been a great weekend. It really hasn't. It's been a lot of losses. A lot of heartache, and uh, not not a bright future ahead of us. So, <laughs> so so Trace, you, you got a chipper, you got a chipper crew in the in the studio. Have fun with this one. Two hours. Let's rock and roll. What you got? Well, here's my thought on this. It's it's it's, it's, it's all perspective. It's all perspective. I understand as a Bengals fan, this is the last thing you want to hear when, when you are expected to win the Super Bowl. Uh, or when I say you're expected to win the Super Bowl, that's a little tall of a task. I would venture to say that you can't argue that they weren't Super Bowl favorites because that's exactly what the Bengals were. You face two really good teams. I could play this two ways. I could sit in here and tell you that your season's dead. I don't think it's dead. What I do think is that the Bengals at some point need to stop downplaying what the preseason is. And I think they need to stop downplaying what early season, whether it matters. And there's always this assumption around Bengal fandom to a small degree. And I know why, because you've had Joe Burrow in the second half of the season has always been bright. It's always, you've always gotten back on track. You win eight, nine, 10 straight games in a row. You get yourselves in the playoffs. You get yourselves to the AFC championship. One year you find yourself in the Super Bowl and A, everything is A-okay. To replicate that, seems seems very very uh unrealistic it, it it doesn't feel as if this is the same however you face two really good teams but i go back to what i said before is you're playing a good division you're playing a tough division which makes winning games comparatively speaking to the rest of the league when we're talking about wild card spots and we're also talking about obviously winning a division, it makes it a lot harder. It makes it a lot more difficult. The Bengals face the Browns week one. I think the Browns are a really good football team. And then they face the Ravens, who I think are a really good football team in week two. The problem obviously ultimately lies with number nine. He's not healthy. I don't know if he ever was healthy. That's the main question I have. That's the question that should be asked internally inside the locker rooms of the Bengals. Maybe Jamar Chase had it right the whole time. Now, if Browning is playing instead of Burrow, do they beat the Browns or do they beat the, the Ravens yesterday? Of course, I don't think so. And maybe, again, to rebuttal my own point here, fellas, Maybe Joe Burrow was 100% healthy, and he just re-aggravated. And if that happened, I would be very concerned. 
Because then it feels like an injury in which maybe just will linger for the rest of someone's career because they just, for whatever reason, can't get that specific part to be right. I don't think that's the case, though. I don't think that's the case. I think that he obviously hurt himself, was sitting on the sidelines, got to himself to where he was 80, 85%, and felt, you know what, I'll play two weeks. Maybe I'll play this week against the Browns, first week of the season. I just signed a huge contract. I'll get by the first week, and then I'll be back to 100%. I'll, I'll play 80%. Week two, I'll play 100%, and we'll be, we'll be moving forward, and we're good. That's just not the way NFL football works, is it? Because you play with grown men that are trying to tackle you and slam you to the ground, and you got to move quick, and it's just not a sport that you usually can make an injury go away by playing. Now the Bengals feel like they're in the worst-case scenario. Not only does Joe Burrow not get his rest, if that was said such the thing that I think should have happened, and I know hindsight's always twenty twenty, but now you're in a position where I feel like you have to sit Joe Burrow. I don't know where you guys stand on that. We can talk about it. I don't think you have a choice. I really don't. I, I know this year seems tempting, fellas. I know this year you are supposed to be X, Y, Z, but you got to at least step back from that ledge for a second and realize, hey, we want the same if, – if it means that we lose the next six games in week seven or week eight, whatever week it ends up being, and we get the old Joe Burrow back, we got to live with that. The last thing I would want to do is to risk something else happening to Joe Burrow because you're trying to save something that, you, that, 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 to be honest, you don't know yet if the backups can't win. Browning, as, much as, he, as bad as he's been, and people are going to laugh at what I'm about to say, he's not got a chance to play with Jamar Chase. He's not got a chance to play with uh, T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd. And I'm, should I put Irv Smith Jr. in that? I know no. that's a bit, but I, 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 I want to keep doing it. But <laughs> Joe Mixon, how about this? I got an idea. How about you just try to play some Titans football for a couple weeks and see if you can't just get lucky and sneak out a win or two and get Joe Burrow back in your one and three, one and four. At this point, maybe we, and I say we, but you put aside – you put aside the aspirations of the number one seed. That seems like it might be long oh, that's forgotten, done. That's done. right? You put away the division championship. And again, maybe that's too early to give up on the division. I'm not suggesting you should. But I'm saying if you just put that away, and the main focus here is just give yourselves a fighting chance to get in the wild card again and have Joe Burrow 100% healthy. Because if you have that, you have a chance. If Joe Burrow continues to try to play through this injury, he's not the Joe Burrow that you need to be. He, I watched Joe Burrow the last two weeks, and I'm not saying I think he's horrible that'd be the right wrong term but he's average he's average he's an average quarterback right now he's not the joe burrow of old at least to me he's not so your opinion what whether or not what you how, how do you go about handling this situation uh to, to, to the last point you just made joe joe burrow hasn't the, the first six quarters of the season joe burrow didn't look average he looked terrible he it, the offense was miserable um i would argue that the last the second half of yesterday to even dispel despite the interception in the red zone, Joe Burrow in the, the Bengals' offense, I thought, looked looked pretty dang good. Um, to, the, to the first point you made, Trace, about uh, preseason, I don't, I don't want to hear anybody um, downplay what certain Bengals fans have been saying for, for months, including myself, is that I just want Joe Burrow to have a regular preseason. He's yet to have that, and it's, and it's shown its hand now. We're in season four. He's not had a regular preseason, and he's one in seven in the first two two games of the year. Something has to be said for that. I mean, you, you can't you can't discredit Bengals fans when they say, "I want Joe Burrow to have a regular preseason." Then come in and be like, "Man, they should start their starters in the preseason." 
because those two things, it, it's it's become abundantly clear that the Bengals aren't ready to play in weeks one and week two. Now, all that is said, I don't know if Joe Burrow's healthy. I still think this Cincinnati Bengals team, in fact, I know this Cincinnati Bengals team can win 10 of their next 15 ball games and get back in the postseason, which is really the only aspiration Bengals fans should have. Starting 0-2 in the division and starting 0-2 in the season pretty much puts to bed uh, a number one seed. I know it's mathematically still there, but with the Bengals' schedule, it doesn't look very likely. So you're just looking at, can we win 10 of the next 15 ball games? And we can't do that with a hurt Joe Burrow. You can't do that with a hurt number nine. So what do you got to do? If that sit him for the next few weeks and maybe he can scratch out a win, maybe he can scratch out a couple wins against the Rams and the Titans, who are both pretty good ball teams. I don't know. I don't, I, I don't know where we go from here. If we had Jake Browning started, we're, start, we're probably starting 0-2. If we had anybody else besides Joe Burrow playing, we're still probably 0-2. But Joe Burrow's hurt, and it looks like he re-aggravated it. Not good. It's not good. Yeah, and that's the thing that like we're not nobody's really even talking about. I, and I get Joe Burrow; it's a quarterback league. If you don't have the quarterback, you don't really have anything. Joe Burrow's injury is one thing. Joe Burrow playing like absolute trash is one thing. I I, I think Joe Burrow, whether or not he was a hundred percent, it's not he wasn't immobile. He could play the position, but like Reed said, he wasn't prepared. He wasn't ready. He's looked bad. A hundred percent, eighty percent, sixty percent. He looked bad. He has looked bad for the first two weeks for the past four seasons. The thing that nobody's talking about right now is that the rest of the team also looks bad. It's not Joe Burrow. It's the defense. It's everybody. Wide receivers, tight ends, shout out Irv Smith. That's going to be a problem all year. Everybody except for really Joe Mixon has looked atrocious. I'm going to give you some stats. And, and T, Trey, T looked good yesterday. T looked good yesterday. So Trey said in the monologue, this 0-2 feels different, and it is, and that's because it is. Last year... Bengals gave up, or Bengals had 51 first downs for the first two weeks. This year we have 25 first downs, half the first downs. We ran 162 plays last year. We've, get, we've ran 111 so far this year. We've had 150 less total yards. We've had 150 less passing yards. We've had less rushing yards. Defensively, we've given up 150 more, uh, more yards defensively. We've played more defensive snaps. 28% opponent third down efficiency last year. 72% our opponents are converting on third down this year. It's, it's, it's not Joe Burrow right now. It's the whole team. The entire roster is failing miserably. So if you're going to say it's Joe Burrow's problem, or it's not Joe Burrow's problem, it's Joe Burrow's fault right now, it's not. It's everybody's fault. The entire team looks atrocious. So next season, without Joe Burrow, there's no chance. There's no chance because it's not just Joe Burrow. It's the entire roster. Jake Browning's not winning a game. Certainly not with the way this team is playing. Could they tighten it? Could they tighten it and have throw 10 passes and just put the back on or put the football on the back of Joe Mixon? They could. I don't think it'll work against the Rams. Maybe not against the Titans either. So we'll see. I, I right now you couldn't be you couldn't you couldn't have asked for a worse start for the Bengals. This is this is the bottom. This is rock bottom. You ready for the first for what it's worth of the week? Uh, for what it's worth about this 0-2 start for people that's saying it looks different, it feels different. Yeah, it does because they have played really bad. But let's not forget their 0-2 start last year. They played backup quarterbacks in week one and two last, last year. And they, they, they played against uh, a Steelers team that didn't make the postseason with Mitch Trubisky. Lost that. Joe Burrow threw four interceptions in the first half or in that game. So he looked terrible then. And then they played Cooper Rush, and, and the Cowboys got a great roster. 
but they play a backup quarterback and lose in week two and don't score a single point in the first half of that game. So I feel like we're forgetting how bad they looked in weeks one and two last year, and they looked terrible this week. But they played two teams that, I mean, if, if the, the Browns win the AFC North, I don't think a lot of people would be shocked. And certainly the, the Baltimore Ravens are AFC contenders. And, and I think we are, are short-sighted to forgetting how good the Ravens are when Lamar Jackson plays the game because he hasn't played. When Lamar Jackson's out on the field, the Ravens are one of the best teams in the NFL. And, and the defense had problems. I mean, the defense gave up 400 yards of offense and seemingly could never get off the field. But that is with a really good Ravens team that they're playing against. So it's not like we're playing Joe Schmoes out there. We're playing damn good teams that are going to be playing meaningful games in December and January. If the, if the, if the Baltimore Ravens go to the Super Bowl, no one's going to be surprised. And the, the Bengals got outplayed in every facet of the game yesterday and still lost by three points with a chance to win the game. I, I, I somewhat agree with that take. That's where I was going to go with this is that, yes, last year last year certainly didn't start the way that anyone wanted it to start. But at the same time, they, they also played some opponents, I would argue, that they should have, at least at the very minimum. We can all agree they should have beat the Steelers. And, and, and for all intents and purposes, they did outside the fact that they didn't have a long snapper. The Cowboys, I think, is a, is, a, is a tough one because I think the Cowboys do have an incredible roster last year. Yes, you have a backup quarterback, but when a backup quarterback plays relatively decent, I don't think it's that crazy of a drop-off. That's the ultimate question. Chad Waits, obviously, super chatted already, says Carson Wentz can be serviceable. I think it's a difficult ask. I think it's a difficult ask to send some guy in here that doesn't know the playbooks, never been around the team, doesn't never ne has never had any reps with anybody. All of a sudden, you slide him in there. And like it or not, folks, guess what? The next three weeks, you got to win two of the three. You got to win two of the three in the next three weeks to give yourselves a serviceable chance to let Joe Burrow get healthy and then get yourself back on track to win 10 games. I think that's the number we're going to put in there. 10 games get you in the postseason. Nine, you could argue, will be, will be really, really close based off tiebreakers, this, that, and the other. Ten, I think, is in. That's the number you're chasing now. Exactly what Reed just said earlier. How do you find ten wins in 15 weeks? That's what you're up against. Casey, when you watch this, do you feel any differently than you did last year? What is your, what, what's your overall kind of quick opinion, if you will, on just the Joe Burrow situation as a whole? So, I mean, I'm not as down bad as the guys over there are. I don't think the Bengals really played any differently than they, they played the Ravens for the last couple years. I mean, they consistently struggle on offense against the Ravens, and they consistently struggle to stop the run against the Ravens. That's, been, that, that's just a known fact for the last couple years now. Even when Lamar wasn't on the field, they, they struggled. So, let's just put that to bed. Then... Secondly, the reason why some of those numbers are so skewed, Elliot, is because we all know what happened week one. I mean, that, that was a catastrophe. Burrow did not look like himself. He looked like himself yesterday. There's one play that was the difference in this ballgame, the interception, and that's all that really matters, honestly. That one interception, that one turnover, is the deciding factor in this ballgame. Now, we can also talk about some of the stuff that happened on the field that negated a turnover for us. That strip sack that was called back for a, a illegal hands to the face, that was brutal for us. That changes momentum a lot, too. There's a couple sacks that got wiped away by penalties. I mean, th this team played, all things considered, pretty good, except for the first three drives of the ballgame. And that's, that's really all that 
you know, you look at the Joe Burrow interception and those first three drives, and that's really the deciding factor. I mean, you can't go three and out that many times against this team. It just is not going to work. And on top of that, you cannot win a ball game against the Baltimore Ravens only rushing Joe, uh, Joe Mixon 13 times. He was 59 yards, 13 carries for four and a half yards a pop. He also caught the ball four times for 36 yards, nine yards a catch. I don't know why we are not using him earlier in ball games. I think that relieves a lot of the pressure off of Joe Burrow while he's dealing with this injury. And the team is just refusing to, to give him that help. They're asking him to do way too much too early. And, you know, I, uh, we've said this time and time again. Play calling is an issue with this team. Creativity has been an issue with this team. And despite all that, they were three points away from winning the ballgame. I'm not as worried. I think they looked like the, their old selves. They just got outplayed yesterday. I mean, the, the, the Ravens dink and dunked all game, drove the ball, had long drives, and then as soon as they got that turnover, they took their one chance out of the entire game to throw it deep, and they, can, they completed the pass. I mean, that's all it takes, right? That, that's, they just played a better game. They had a better game plan. They had a better play caller than we did. So that's really all it boils down to. I think they beat us fair and square. I don't think that they, we were at a, a disadvantage. I don't think we played super sloppy. What does concern me a little bit is the, the run defense. It's just been tore up now twice um, in a bigger fashion than I you know, would like to admit. I think that's been a strength of ours in, in the past, but now it just looks like we don't have any juice there. But overall, the team, you know, let's get Shamar Chase involved. What, what's going on there? Like, there's just questions that, you know, I agree with I agree, I agree. with K, I agree with Casey, especially regarding Joe Mixon. Joe Mixon has been, in my opinion, the best offensive player by a large margin on this team. He's averaging four and a half yards a carry. He's getting thirteen touches a game. Needs to, that needs to stop. We got to get twenty carries now. And with Joe Burrow being injured, I assume it will be a part of the plan going forward. But I mean, your best players touching the ball thirteen times. I would say very few in the second half at this, at this point because you put yourself in such a hole. Uh, to start off these games. It's, it's tough. It's tough. The defense, to, to Casey's point, they're averaging about – they're giving up about five yards, of, five yards of carry. I think they're at 4.9. Not good. Not good. The, the two things that I, I want to I hammer one point home really quickly, and that is there's going to be some Bengals fans that are going to point to that interception and say, listen, if that doesn't happen – the, the, the Bengals win this game. Bengals may have should have won this game, but it was that one interception. That's not um, – that is true that if the Bengals don't throw that interception, they might have won that game. But the Ravens played better in every single facet of right. the game, offensively, defensively. The, the, the biggest difference in the game was the fact that the Bengals returned a punt for a touchdown. That's, that is equal to the swing of the – the, the red zone interception. Those things equal each other out. So let's put that to bed. Um, secondly, I'm not – those that are calling for let's let's get Joe Mixon 20, 20 plus carries a game, I'm not ready to completely abandon the Bengals' identity that is a pass first team because and I and I know we're we're trying to limit Joe Burrow's play a little bit. 
I, I want, I don't want to completely throw away the identity of the team. I don't want to be the Titans. I don't want to do that because that's not how this team is built. This team is built to throw the pigskin around and yeah, let's open up Joe Mixon. Where other teams establish the run to open up the pass, the Bengals do it in reverse. They pass to us to open up the run and, and allow that later in the game. The, the biggest concern for the Bengals now, it's you could say there's a pattern. There's a pattern that the Bengals sl start slow. That's not a pattern. That's this team. That's who this team is. They start slow in the season, in every game. It's, it's, it is the team, and how do we solve that? How do we go about changing that to where the, the cute things that Zach Taylor does and the Bengals do in the first few drives of the game where they're just kind of feeling out the defense? You know, They're doing these plays to see how the defense reacts, and it, it isn't to, to have these long drives to begin the game. It's just to see how are they going to play this game? Can we open up some stuff for late in the game? I'm tired of that. It's got to be go time from – from from the kickoff going forward. Yeah, well, the other point that, that I don't know, again, I say some of this stuff <clears throat> with a little apprehension because I certainly don't get into the nuts and bolts of every single down as many as many of you that probably watch this show do with the Cincinnati Bengals. But sometimes I think when you're not so close to things, it allows you to see things that maybe others wouldn't because you don't have blinders on or maybe you're too close to the fire. Whatever term you'd like to use is this. When I watched that game yesterday, it seemed apparent that when the, when, the, when the Ravens needed to get that third and one, the third and three, they just, they just handed it off and they got it. And then the other part that I would ask, is it a concern? And I'm not suggesting, this is an honest question. I'm not trolling. I, this is, I'm being dead serious when I say this. Do you think that the pass rush is a problem? Yes. Because yeah. there's no pass rush. When I'm watching, it's like, listen, you can do whatever you want in the NFL, but it's been said, and it'll be said a thousand times, if you don't affect the quarterback, right, and you don't protect your quarterback, it doesn't matter what you do. It really doesn't. Like all of the other stuff, the X's and O's and the cute plays and all the designs, it, it is irrelevant. It felt like Lamar Jackson back there. And maybe it was one of those things where you don't want to send too many guys because of rush lanes and you don't want to allow, you know, you don't want to allow there to be too many openings. So you'd rather just kind of be protective and try to keep him in the pocket per se. But it just felt like on some really big downs, on some really big downs, Lamar Jackson stood back there, stood back there, stood back there. And then he decided, you know what? I'm still going to run. And when he ran, he still got the first down. And you know what? That might be a tale. That might be more of a, of a, of a, just a general ode to how good Lamar Jackson can be. I'm not downplaying what the Bengals can and can't do. And I'm trying to, I'm not trying to even like say that their pass rush is terrible, but it just felt like yesterday you needed to get Lamar Jackson on the ground. And it just felt like there was no one there to get him on the ground. And when he decided to run, you thought maybe just based off the fact there was no pressure that maybe there was a couple spies or they just kind of were, they were playing conservative and they still weren't there. Yeah. Lou, Lou dialed up. A lot of blitzes. I mean, there was at least six, seven times I could count, just remembering off the top of my head, that they sent more than five guys. So they overloaded the offensive line. And it never got home. They always overran him. They always left an open lane for him to get through. That's just poor technique on the defensive line part. That's a bad, that's bad coaching for this game specifically. You might be able to get away with that with other teams that don't have a very mobile quarterback. But for this game specifically, 
the game plan was a little different than what they've done in the past for Lamar. And it bit them in the butt because they don't usually do this sort of thing. They don't usually send a lot of guys. They don't usually send a lot of pressure. They don't do that often. And it's starting to change a little bit now. I've seen them do it now the last two weeks. And it just seems like they have not mastered it yet. Teams like Kansas City, they've mastered it. They know how to send guys and get home with it. Nick Bolton's one of the best in the league. Um, I don't know if that's what they're trying to copy, but, you know, last week, Lamar, he really struggled with the pressure. The Texans were really disciplined on not leaving any lanes open in the middle. Their edges crashed the tackles in. The defensive tackles didn't rush upfield, and the pressure got home around the edge and got home. And Bengals tried to replicate that, and it didn't work. And it happened over and over and over again. I'm, I'm, this is, I was telling Elliot this during the game yesterday. And shout out to Mr. Mo uh, with that super chat about, uh, let's, let's read that real quick. That's all well and good read, but when the most efficient part of your game is the run game, you cannot keep abandoning it. Yeah, we can run the ball a little more, but let's not be the Titans. Let's not jump on that. We've got Joe Burrow and three great receivers. Let's keep passing the ball. But I was telling Elliot during um, the game yesterday, I'm tired. I am tired of the opposing quarterback having a luxury that Joe Burrow does not, and that is time. The Bengals have not had, and Trey Hendrickson has been very good, the Bengals have not had an elite pass rush as, as long as I've been alive, really. I mean, even Carlos Dunlap and Geno Atkins and those teams, those they were really good. But when was the last time that the Cincinnati Bengals had a TJ Watt? When was the last time that the Bengals had somebody that can get had. back in the back? Never, never. And that's... If Sam Hubbard, and I, I'm sorry to kill a, a Cincinnati boy here, a guy from that, that we love, and he had one of the best plays in, in my in my fandom's history last year. If Sam Hubbard's, you know, primary responsibility as a defensive end is run stopping, and we're giving up five rushes a game, why the hell is Sam Hubbard playing the majority of the snaps? Why can't we have defensive ends get to the quarterback? It's been lacking now for years. It's been, it, it truly is alarming, and that's why we got guys like Joseph Asai. That's why we got. That's why we spent our first draft pick on Miles Murphy this year. And if these guys can't affect the game right now, then we've missed. Then we've missed. This is the second most alarming thing about the Cincinnati Bengals outside of Joe Burrow's injury going forward. It's the fact that we cannot get to the quarterback. That's a luxury that the Bengals do not have. Joe Burrow is constantly getting pass rush. Joe Burrow is constantly having to get rid of the ball quickly. That's why he's the quickest from snap to pass in the league is because he does not have that luxury. Other teams, they have time. We do not, and I'm tired of it. I'm tired. We've we got to get to the quarterback better. Well, I, I, I hear the sentiment. I just also remind everybody that, again, Lamar Jackson's really good at football. Deshaun Watson's really good at football. I mean, right. I know Deshaun Watson didn't have his best game in week one against the Bengals, but at the same time, the, the first two quarterbacks that the Bengals have played, we can at least at somewhat, I would hope that some people could at least take the, take the, whether you're a super negative fan or you're the most optimistic fan, we can all agree on the fact that the first two quarterbacks that the Bengals have faced are quarterbacks that are going to make it a little more difficult than the average quarterback in the NFL. I'm not saying, again, to be clear, I'm not suggesting for one second that Deshaun Watson's going to be the same guy he used to be. Maybe he will, but he's, he's certainly not, and not to pick on guys, but he's certainly not Cooper Rush. He's certainly not some backup that you're going to... And in fact, I would argue that Kenny Pickett's a guy that if you're not getting pressure on a guy like Kenny Pickett, okay, maybe we get 
<laughs> Maybe we hit the panic button. But I don't know. I, I watched the game. Lamar Jackson is a, is a special athlete. He's going to make special plays. But at the same time, when you're on the defensive side of the ball, it felt like you haven't gotten any pressure to the quarterback, one. And then two, when it's third and one and third and three in the NFL, and everybody knows you're running, and you can't stop them when they're going to run for three yards, they just turn around, hand the ball off, and you get three yards. It's a bad, bad, bad sign. We got a guy, fortunately, here at Chatterbox that knows way more about football than anybody in this room. His name's Kyle Klasky. Kyle Kasky does the Chatterbox Clicker on Tuesday nights at 9. Kyle, I don't know how much you heard of us ranting and raving in here. We're, we're, we, got, we got fans on both sides of the aisle. We got the, we got the crowd that says, hey, we've been 0-2 before. No big deal. We're probably going to make the postseason again because that's just what the Cincinnati Bengals do. And then you got the whole other side that basically says that the season's completely over. You watch film. You actually see what's going on. Your overall assessment here as we get started on what you think the Cincinnati Bengals, whether there should be panic or whether everybody should take a step back and realize that uh, they're, they're going to be okay. They just have to clean up X, Y, Z. Uh, I think, number one, the, the, the panic only comes with Burrow. If, if Burrow's hurt, then there is some panic, I think. I think you can put some, uh, you, you know, you got to look at, at how badly he's really hurt and how severe it is because you look at the next few games. You got a Monday game coming up where it's um, the Rams and, and you got a little extra time, obviously, you got an extra day. And then you got Tennessee, Arizona, Seattle. That's a, you know, it's a little stretch where I'm not saying those teams are bad. I mean, Seattle beat Detroit yesterday, and Arizona, I mean, has put a pretty good show on yesterday um, against the Giants until they fell apart. But uh, you know, Tennessee's always what they are. But then you got at San Francisco, and then you got Buffalo after that little stretch. So can you get through that stretch without having to use Burrow, or can you get through it with easing him back in, and and maybe he he gets healthy, and uh, you, you you really want him to be. 100%. You don't want him to be just sitting there uh, pushing through, trying to trying to play when he doesn't really get a chance to heal up. But if you look at the offense, though, uh, from yesterday, I, I'm not real sure why Joe Mixon doesn't get involved any more than he does. Uh, I, I think that he's, uh, if you look at the clip right here, this will be part of it. This is a naked. And if you watch Joe, I mean, that you get Joe Mixon in space and they're blitzing right into it. That's exactly what you want to do. It's a great call, and, and but it gives a chance for that for that guy to get in space, and that's really a, just a kickoff return in all reality once he gets the ball. And you got to look at the way that they're using Mixon, and you got Chase in the backfield. I think it's a great it's a great design of a play, but again, they they got to get you got to get him involved a little bit more. And you know, I just don't think that they're making the plays that they're used to making. If you watch, maybe it's Burrow being banged up or maybe it's just uh you know they're a little off from not right you know not practicing together but the back shoulders uh really haven't been there he threw a cut he threw a couple good ones too he threw one to t higgins there at the end of the game that was really good the little quick outs you hadn't seen a whole lot of those so i'm not real sure what's uh you know what the issue is with uh you know not getting the timing right it could be just the fact that they haven't played much but i think you got to get mixing going you got to use the run game there's got to be more uh there's just got to be more of him in there can and I've got a clip that I that shows Joe. I mean, Joe is playing hard, man. If a guy's putting everything he has into it, it means something to him. So uh, you, you got to keep giving it to him. Uh, defensively, I kind of caught the end of what y'all were saying. I do believe that there is something with the tackling. There's something with the finishing the play, uh, missing tackles in space. They, they lost leverage quite a few times, and there was some blitzes they lost leverage on, uh, just some basic stuff that they're doing. Um, you know, if you look here, this is this is at the end of the game, and 
uh, Baltimore does a really good job of, of creating. This is a four, you know, this is a four minute drill. So it's second and nine and Baltimore is just trying to run the clock out. Well, they, they run a speed sweep. You don't even have to block Hubbard here and you run right at him. So they, they go around Hubbard with the speed sweep, run right at him. And then they got a couple guys on there. And then obviously it ended up being third and one right there, which I believe the next play, they just handed the ball off. And, you, you know, y'all were saying that just a minute ago, you know, the whole world knows you're going to do it. But the fact that they actually ran that, and you could you could tell uh, Lamar was actually reading Hubbard right there. You, you block him with the read, and that's one way of just taking one of their best players out of the whole game uh, altogether. But you know, I think the speed of Baltimore's receivers really affected Cincinnati's defense. The um, you know they they were running those those deep posts out, and they got they connected on the one. They really had the they had the other post in the end zone, and. Um, but when they started doing that, the Bengals are playing so deep with their safeties that Baltimore started hitting those intermediate routes at about, you know, 12 to 15 yards right behind the underneath coverage, the linebackers and, uh, you know, underneath the, the deep safety. So they were finding ways to get that done. And I think with the defense, too, uh, you know, they're not getting the, they got there was two bad plays that they just didn't get the breaks on and the hands to the face when they got the fumble, because if, if that fumble still goes to the Bengals, I think it's a different game. And then the pass interference, the DPI on, uh, I believe it was Odell Beckham. And I mean, you just kind of, when you have the breaks that aren't going your way, it's, it's, it's tough to overcome sometimes, especially against a really good team. And Baltimore is a really good team. And I think Lamar Jackson is playing at a, at a high level. And I kind of caught the end of what you were saying too about the quarterbacks they're playing. And, um, you know, they got some good quarterbacks still coming up on the schedule. So they gotta, they gotta be able to handle those guys. Yeah, and I, I, the, the one point that I wanted to make really quickly for those that don't know, uh, Coach does a show here on, on Tuesday nights at 9, and ultimately he breaks down more plays than obviously just a couple plays you've seen here. When you, when you watch film, right, and you take me behind the scenes here, and when you start watching the film, how often, and I, this is more or less when you were on the sideline and then taking that to call it on – you know, Monday when you start actually breaking it all down or whenever it is when you get to breaking it all down, depending on when you play. How often during the game when you're watching it, you feel one way and then after watching the film, you feel a different way? Because I've always wondered how tough it is to make in-game adjustments. Certainly, maybe if you sit up in the box, it would be a little bit different. But, you know, for a guy like Zach Taylor, who's for all intents and purposes calling plays, you stand on the sideline. How hard is it for you to get a feel for the game for someone that's seen a bunch of games and then seen a lot of tape afterwards, is it 50-50? What would you say it is when regards to how you feel versus what the reality is? Uh, I think you, you you know their defense well enough by the time you play them on, on Sundays that, you know, you see you see a certain coverage and you, you know how they played it. Now, why didn't why didn't the play work? That's the hardest part is where, well, we, you know, maybe we didn't get our depth on a certain route or why, you know, what where did the pressure come from? And that's where sometimes you feel a little different about it because, Maybe it was just, you know, I, I thought everything was there. Why didn't it work? Well, you know, the, the receiver ran his, his route a couple yards too deep or a couple yards too short. And sometimes you can't see that when you're on the field unless you look up at the Jumbotron. But, you know, if you're in the booth, a lot of times in the booth, you get the TV re replays and uh, you can see a lot of things up there and you can make some adjustments and you have a little bit more time uh, as the head coach too. So obviously he's got to be dealing with when the defense is on the field. So he can't just go over and, you know, look at the tablets and, and do all that as much as maybe a guy who's not the head coach. So, uh, you know, I think it's tougher on his end, but I, I think he does a, uh, you know, he, he understands football enough to where he can ask the guys upstairs. That's why Callahan's there. That's why Dan Pitcher's there. That's why all those guys are there that are that are on the staff. And 
uh, you know, they've got to they've got to come to him with the answers and say that's what's going on and make an in, make the in game adjustment. Now, when you watch it on Monday, you come in Monday morning. Some guys watch it Sunday. It depends on how you feel. I mean, if it's a win, a lot of times you know if it's a home win, go out to dinner with your family or whatever. Come back in Monday morning and watch it. A lot of times the road games will watch it on the plane on the way home and you know sometimes it's not you know a, there's a saying in coaching it's it's not always as good as it seems not always bad as it seems and there's a lot of things you can correct on it depends on what the corrections are if the corrections are easy if they're simple um i think you'll see with the the bengals protections they they use the the back and the tight end to chip so they were able to make adjustments and clean up some of that stuff and i think you know burrow had fairly clean pockets for the most part a couple of the ones that broke down were because there was one he he should have thrown the ball or he was going to throw the ball quick and he, it was covered and he pulled it down and then it just didn't have time you know that you, you can't really put that on the line that's more on just the, the play breaking down just not getting the pass off but the, i think they did a better job of adjusting to to those things this week because baltimore's got a good front and they were able to you know, keep them fairly clean. So, you know, defensively, I think you just got to look at what the issues are. It's the tackling in space. It's the losing leverage. It's the, you know, the rush lanes were good for the most part, but then every once in a while, you know, Lamar Jackson got out and rushed and you got to know who you're playing against. It's not going to be that way every week. Not every quarterback's going to run like he runs. So, you know, once you get those things kind of cleaned up on a, on a Monday morning, then you move forward and clean it up with your guys and then you move on to the next game because really there's no time to, you know, sit here and sulk on it. You got to keep going. You, you mentioned getting Joe Mixon more involved. Uh, this has been a little bit of a spirited debate. I, I don't think that we've kind of gotten in, into uh, argument would be a little little too strong of a term, but it's certainly something that Bengals fans are asking themselves. If Joe Burrow's not healthy, do you think, and I guess this is obviously an opinion-based question, but do you think this team's good enough to, to be a Tennessee Titans-esque type of team for the next three, four, five weeks, whatever it takes for maybe Joe Burrow to get healthy? This is all obviously speculative i i would i'd venture to say if joe burrow's not 100 percent healthy the Bengals will probably shut him down if if it is turns out to be they got to go to a backup quarterback type situation do you think two questions two part question do you think the Bengals are good enough just to turn around and hand the ball to joe mixon and have him be the primary kind of source of offense and the second part of that would be do you think in your mind that the Bengals are being a little more or, or too vanilla offensively per se with the weapons that they have? Uh, I don't know if they're being too vanilla. I just think it's the fact that they're, they're doing what they were doing. Just the plays have been made in the past and the last couple of games, they haven't been making the plays. But to answer your first question, do I think they can do that? I think so. And, and the thing is, is any quarterback in the NFL is going to be able to turn around, hand the ball off and, and run naked, uh, quick game. Uh, you don't have to necessarily drop back and, and throw the, the, the deeper routes if you don't feel comfortable with it. But, the one thing you're going to miss with Burrow being out is the fact that he does change plays at the line. He audibles, he hand signals things to his receivers. Uh, he's able to fix plays when when maybe they're not uh, exactly the way you thought they were going to be. And can the backup do that? Is he ready to do that? And but if you want to talk about handing the ball off on those outside zones and duos and things that uh, that Joe is good, Joe Mixon is good at, and then coming with a, a a naked or a bootleg or a sprint out, something simple like that to be able to. Uh, you know, get the quarterback on the move a little bit. And, and you saw how that naked worked out to Joe where he, he was the slide guy where he came underneath and went to the flat on the other side of the ball. Uh, so, sometimes it's as simple as that of just getting the ball into your playmaker's hands. And, you know, on the, you know the defense is going to have to step up over the next few weeks. And uh, Tennessee obviously has a good run game. L.A. is going to have a good run game. They, they always kind of do. And, uh, you know, it just depends on if they can come out and, 
and get those things taken care of and keep the game close enough to where you can grind out a win. I think that's kind of where they're at right now. Yeah, and, and, and to be fair to the to the obviously the Bengals fans that think that it's a complete you know utter chaos mess right now. They they did play a football game where to your point they made some mistakes. They lost by three, but the the, the counter the counter argument certainly going to be that you usually don't get a punt return for a touchdown, which was a little bit of a spark that the Bengals probably can't rely on uh, for for the future scoring opportunities. The last question I have for you before you go is when it comes to this defense. And when you get into those third and ones and those third and threes, is it just schematics? Is it is it can it be schematics, or is it more times than not just Jimmys and Joes, as they say, instead of X's and O's when it comes to just turning around, handing the ball off, and being able to stop somebody on a third and one or a third and three situation? I know more times than not, I just for somebody that's been in the game for a long time that understands the concepts of football much better than than probably ninety nine percent of us, I often wonder. Is it something a coach can actually control when it comes to those short yardage situations? Or do you think that more or less it's just going to have to come down to those guys up front and they're going to have to find a way to be a little more physical than they have been? Uh, I think it comes down to just being physical. I, there are some things that you need to be, be aware of. I mean, if you look at the Philadelphia Eagles, you know, they, they literally just get down and run quarterback sneak every time they're, they have short yardage or goal line. I mean, it's just, you know what's coming and they nobody can stop it. And sometimes you just got to be able to, uh, you know, find a find a – a defensive package on third and one if you know they're running out uh you know all their big guys are running out 22 personnel like baltimore was doing where they got two tights and two running backs and one receiver well you, you know just find out who their receiver is make sure he's covered and you know put the rest of your guys in there especially at the end of the game when you know you've got to stop them or, or they're going to run the clock out and uh you know it all there's so much film that's that's out there on on these teams that uh you know when it comes to a third and one or a four minute drill like they were in being able to stop the run when you need to stop the run, you're going to have enough film to be able to scheme it up. And then it just becomes the, the players. They've got to step up and do it. And sometimes these, uh, you know, these big guys, you know, in, in those situations, they take pride in that. And it just then then it's just got to be making the play or the linebackers feeling right. And sometimes you have safeties involved, especially if, if like I said, they're out and they're, they got all their big guys on the field. And, you know, they'll sound and fill the, you know, fill the gaps that are being created by having another big body in there. And, uh, you know, again, I think you hit it on the head. Just it, it, there's a mentality, and you know, it, it, it's hard though. I mean, all they need is three feet, and, and you know, you just got to be able to go in there and, and push them backwards when they're trying to do the same to you. All right, I, I lied. I got two quick questions for you. One is, right. do you think Joe Burrow's healthy when you watch the film in your in your heart of hearts? Uh, I'm, I don't think he's fully 100% healthy, and I don't know what happened at the end of the game, but he, he couldn't – it didn't look like he was pushing off a lot of times. Like, they, he had a couple of throws that he looked like he was more or less not really stepping into and really getting his full throwing motion in there, and that could have been – now, he had one play where he, he kind of danced out of a sack, and, uh, you know, it didn't look like he was hurt too much on that one. But, again, you don't really see him running the ball as much as he used to, so maybe he's, you know, hesitant of doing that and – you know, I don't think he's a. I wouldn't. I mean, I'm I'm speculating too. So I would say right. he's probably not. But um, again, a, a you know a 75% healthy Burrow is better than most quarterbacks in the league too. So we got to keep that in mind. You do. The only counter argument would be now you've paid this guy 219 guaranteed million dollar or million dollars guaranteed, and at some point you would think that there would be a long-term vision or a long-term question mark of whether or not you play a guy or not. I guess that I, I, I was going to ask you 
what you thought the Bengals have to do moving forward if Mixon uh, if Mixon's obviously still available clearly, but if Burrow's not available, what do you think that the Bengals have to do uh, in order to survive this stretch? But more so, maybe the the other question would be. In the NFL, do do long-term viewpoints really carry out a whole lot, or is it just kind of like it's, it is a, it is a not for long league? Coaches are on the hot seat more times than not pretty quickly, rather than rather than the not everyone's Bill Belichick, right? You don't get the benefit of the doubt yeah. for years upon years. I just wonder who steps in and says, "Listen, Joe's not going to play." I know Joe says he wants to play. I know Zach maybe wants him to play, but I guess who steps in and says, "Nope, he's not allowed to play because he's just not healthy." Uh, is that where does that decision ultimately come from? Usually, uh, well, I can give you with the Bengals. It comes from Mike Brown, 100%. And if Mike Brown looks at looks there and goes, "Hey, I, I want to make sure our guy is healthy." Now, you know they paid him all that money, but I'm just telling you, you can rub that money on his leg, and it ain't going to heal it. So they got to figure out a way to, uh, you know, get it healed so that he can play up to the potential that got him that contract. And you know, I think you got to look at the like you said, you got to look at the schedule and and say, okay, can we get through? Uh, the next few games without him and, and let him heal up, kind of like they did with Chase last year. And, you know, they, they Chase missed four games. And, yeah, that's tough, but you found ways around it. And, I, you know, I think they did pretty good in those three games. They were three and one, I believe, if, if I'm not mistaken. And, uh, you know, Burrow's a, a different cat now. I get it. You know, you're a different team. But I don't think you got to worry. Like, they're not going to fire Zach if Burrow doesn't play and for some reason they can't get it done. I mean, I think he's proven himself to be a, a good coach for the Bengals, and it's not – you know, things happen every once in a while and you just kind of got to roll with it and, 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 and figure it out. But I think you got to get him, you got to get Burrow healthy. Burrow's not your normal guy on the team where you kind of push through an injury. I think if, if he's really hurt, then take care of him. And, and he'll come, I mean, he'll come back. He's resilient. He'll do what he needs to do. Even if he plays, you know, through some pain or plays hurt, uh, they'll figure it out and, and make it, let him be him without having to, you know, overexert it. But I do think you, you probably need to, really evaluate whether or not it's better for him to sit a little bit and get right before you bring him back for the, the remainder of the season. It's a long season. It's only two games in. They still got 15 more. Yeah, fair enough. All right, well, Coach Kyle Kasky will be doing his show, as always, on Tuesday nights, 9 o'clock. Uh, Kyle, thank you for joining us. I know it's uh, you, you moved some things around to make that work. Uh, we'll have you on all year long uh, on Mondays to break down what we saw. And unfortunately, I guess we'll have to find an alternative here. We'll have to do a little bit of an audible because uh, considering they're playing on Monday night football here soon. But we'll figure that out. And until next cool. time, appreciate you coming on. Go ahead, Kyle. I was going to say, we'll go on Tuesday morning then. I mean, it's it's fine. I'm, I'm good. I'll make it work. And our, our show is going to stay on, even if it's a Monday night game. Uh, you know, show will st continue on Tuesday nights. But I can make that work too. So, uh, you know, every Tuesday, come, come to Chatterbox Clicker. Uh, right here on this channel and uh, you know get a chance to sit in it like you're sitting in the position room with me and I got the telestrator working and if you hadn't seen it come on on you know come on in get in the chat uh, you know I try to interact as much as I can so uh, you know I'll see you guys tomorrow night all right Kyle thank you for joining us and uh, as always we appreciate your uh, your insight yes sir all right well you heard from him um, the term the term the term the, the only thing the only the only concern I would have I would say 99% of the time a 75% Joe Burrow is without question the is, the is the better alternative here it's the play to make but that gets trumped so fast in my opinion when you look at the overall aspect of what Joe Burrow means to the franchise I just don't think that he plays at all 
until he's 100% healthy. And you know what? If I was a beat reporter, and I know you'll never get an you'll never get a true answer, but I would love to know if the Cincinnati Bengals and Joe Burrow were actually 100% when he came back, or was he less than 100%? Because if he was less than 100%, I'd actually feel better about that. I really would. I think he was 100%. If I'm gonna be if he wasn't 100%, he was close enough to play where they felt comfortable. They're they're not they're not they're not going to play a guy who's not healthy. I mean, this isn't amateur hour. This is professional football. These guys aren't going to just throw injured quarterbacks out there. So Joe Burrow was more than healthy enough to play the game. Was he 100%? I don't know. I, you can't really quantify that. So maybe 92%. But he was healthy enough to play the game. He was healthy enough to start football games in the National Football League. So that should be enough reason to, to play well, to perform well at a high level. Joe Burrow thought he was able to go. The team thought he was able to go. The doctors cleared him to go. So he was ready to go. If, if, if he's injured now, it was a, it was a, he re-aggravated the injury in, in the past few weeks. That's a different thing. But I think you, you can't say that he was unhealthy to start the season because they wouldn't have played him. He's, he's outwardly said that he wasn't, he wasn't 100%. He's, he's like after the, the Browns game, he's like, yeah, I wasn't, wasn't fully go. And then yesterday, he literally said, I re-aggravated my calf. So he's, he has said through the first two weeks that he hasn't been 100%. And him, the Bengals, are all just looking and saying, listen, we, we like you at 80%. We like you at 7 Whatever the percentage is. I mean, it's all, it's all Fugazi anyways. Um, to say, listen, we'll, we'll trust you out there. The, the better question is, is do we think Joe Burrow is going to play on Monday Night Football next Monday? Because after what happened after the game, after his press conference saying that he wasn't, he wasn't 100% for the second consecutive week, for the second consecutive week, he's saying, I re-aggravated it. I said to my friends, he's not going to play next Monday. Where do you guys think? Do you guys think he's going to play next Monday? And this is all speculation. There's no way to know until someone outwardly says he's not going to play next Monday. But at this very moment, if he made me put money on it, I would say that Joe Burrow is not going to play next Monday. All right, we'll do this. We'll, uh, we'll get the chat involved. That'll be the chat poll question of the day. Do you think Joe Burrow will play Monday Night Football? Yes or no? Um, you've already heard my opinion on it. I did a monologue at the beginning of the show about it. I'm not going to continue kind of belaboring a point. To play less than 100% is fine, as long as it doesn't affect the overall status of who you are. I got news for you. If Joe Burrow was the type of quarterback he's been for the last two weeks, and you can sit here and tell me that maybe his play is better than what I suspected it to be, but when I watch him, he looks like he's ner nervous is the wrong word. Happy feet may be the wrong word, but somewhere mixed into all of that, that's what I see out of Joe Burrow. It looks like he's scared to get hit. Mm -hmm. He gets the ball, he's looking to get rid of it. That's not what he used to be. That's not what he was. That's not what made him great. What made him great was he'd sit in the pocket and he'd get hit. Yeah, he'd get sacked nine damn times against the Titans, but they'd still win. Because he wants to give those receivers that are uber talented enough time to see if, they can play, if the play can develop. And if the play can develop, by God, he hits him. And if he doesn't, then he gets sacked and he lives with it. He doesn't look like that's what he wants to do now. Right now, it looks like he's trying to get the ball out. He doesn't want to get hit. He's, we have not seen for two weeks in a row one time where Joe Burrows held onto the ball, held onto the ball, escaped the pocket, extended the play, and made a big-time play. And he's done that time and time and time again in his career. And I'm here to tell you, if he isn't able to do that or he isn't comfortable doing that, it's one of the same. And in fact, 
that's not Joe Burrow anymore. That's not the guy that got paid 219 guaranteed. It's not. The guy that you're getting right now the last two weeks is a guy that's not worth risking long-term injuries for. If he was playing well, by all means, keep playing. He's playing good enough. But by God, if he's going to play this bad, and I'm not trying to crush Joe Burrow by saying this, but if he's going to play this bad, then what's the point? Then what's the point? I don't think it's a terrible idea to let the backup quarterback get full reps, first team reps, all week long. Go in, Monday night football, give yourselves a chance to win with a unique scheme, a little bit different way of winning, and see if you can't scratch out an ugly win. Because you're not playing world beaters here. I get it. Now yeah, the Rams, oh, they're better. They're, st- they're the Rams, okay? I'm not saying that I'm not saying they're terrible, but it's not the 49ers. It's it's and quite honest, it's not the Ravens. My issue, my issue though, is if, if you're gonna do this, and I know you don't like to say it's punning, it is punning on the season because you don't if you're benching Joe Burrow this week. This isn't a this isn't a, this isn't an injury that heals in a week. This doesn't go away in a week. It's gonna be it can be re-aggravated in two weeks, three weeks, four weeks. So unless there's a set plan of 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 when Joe Burrow is is going to return from this injury stint, and if if that's what it, if it's going to be, then that's what it is. But if Joe Burrow is gonna be eighty percent after this week, which he will be, he's not gonna be if he's not a hundred percent, he's gonna be the same eighty percent that he was this week and last week. Then, then at this point you play it because there's there's no set fix on this unless you you say all right Burrow's done for six weeks we're just gonna reset the whole timeline we're gonna re, we're gonna we're gonna fix this injury I don't again I'm not a doctor I, I'm not a medical professional I don't know what the, the the statute of limitations are for this calf injury but if Joe Burrow is not gonna be healed because he sits this week he's not gonna be healed probably because if he sits the next two weeks and if you do that if you're gonna start Jake Browning you are punting and that's not that's not your fault your quarterback's hurt. But it is. You're going to set yourself. You're going to set yourself up to lose games. Do they have an option? I don't know. I don't know if they have an option. But as of right now, if Joe Burrow can't go this week, I'd argue he can't go the week after that. And if he can't go those two weeks, I'd probably say he can't go the third week. So at some point, you have to decide: Are we going to play with 85% Joe Burrow, or are we not going to play with Joe Burrow at all? The the one report from uh, Ian Rappaport said that. That's so hard to hear. Um, that Joe Burrow was taking it day by day right now. That he wants to sleep on in a few days before making a decision, which makes me feel like it's a bigger deal. Like it, it is going to be something oh, that it- could take a couple weeks to heal from. Now, will he play on that? I mean, he already did. So I don't know. Like I think I think he. I answered the chat question. I said that I think he does play. So did because- I. Because I think I think he's just a competitor and he'll want to play even if he's hurt. And again, he, I, he's played on injury before. It's not like correct. I mean, it was a pinky. There's there's a couple a, other but things. A, but, but a pinky, in my opinion, a pinky. To be clear, well, there's more. You can than only just get pinky, you can only get hurt get so much with a pinky. And I'm not I'm not trying to forecast this and be like I told you so. I'm really not. I, like this isn't a troll job by me. I'm not trying to be like funny about any of this. I'm just saying like at some point you have to think about other things that could happen too. The guy had a knee surgery. The guy, the guy is not, he's, he's, he's not like Superman. As much as we want to act like he's Superman, sometimes he's not Superman. I don't want my franchise quarterback playing on anything less than 100% right now with the way in which this line looks sometimes. And I guess the line, quite honestly, has looked decent. Yeah, line looked but, decent. Yeah. But 
The reason that I see people on X.com saying that Joe Burrow isn't playing up to his standards is because he's getting pressure up the middle and he doesn't feel like he has time to throw the ball, this, that, and the other. Those are excuses. Maybe they're true or maybe they're not. But again, Aaron Rodgers had a calf injury, okay? I know he's 39 years old. I get all that. I know maybe you can't say they're the exact same thing. But you can't play this. You can't play the other side of the coin here, folks. If you're one of the camp that says that you want him to play no matter what, as long as Joe Burrow says he can play, and if, he, if he's 80%, by all means, run him out there. Don't come back to me upset when something else happens because of the calf injury. And again, I'm not a doctor. I'm not here to say that you know 100% he's hurt or 100% he's he's healthy. I'd have no idea. I just don't think. In the grand scheme of things, that you're going to convince me that Browning can't throw for 82 yards, no touchdowns, no interceptions with a 52 passer rating. That he can't go out there and throw for 220 yards with two touchdowns and one interception and an 85 passer rating. If you schematically put your offense and center it around the fact that you know you have a backup quarterback. That production in and of itself right there. If that's what you're going to get out of Joe Burrow, in my opinion, it's not worth it. If Joe Burrow was throwing for 275, 300 yards, and they were losing because of just whatever, okay, that's fine. He's an asset. He's helping the team win. I'll say it out loud. I don't think Joe Burrow's helping the team win right now. And maybe, you just maybe, if, if Browning goes out there and he, and he has egg all over his face and he looks terrible, I'll come back and say, you know what? I was wrong. But I think you could go back. I think you'd be surprised. I think that many people let what, what the perception is of preseason football, of what Browning looked like with guys that quite honestly don't play, affect the overall picture of what he could do with the ones. Uh, the overall picture of what the backup quarterback can be. Do you think for a half a second that last year when, when the Cowboys had to go from Dak Prescott to Cooper Rush, that, that the Cowboy fans were like, Cooper Rush. That's our guy. He's going to lead us to three to four victories. No. But I wouldn't be shocked as you look over the, the, the Bengals' next three to four games, and none of them are against teams that, quite honestly, that I would say are teams that you're going to have to play perfect football to beat them. You got a chance to sneak out some cheap wins with a backup quarterback. Get your quarterback that can take you to the promised land fully healthy if you can get there. And you know what? If the doctors eventually tell us, and again, these are this is information I'm not privy to, if they say it's going to take 10 weeks for him to get healthy, fully healthy, then that's a different story. That's a different story. But again, I guess perhaps I'm being a little too shallow in the fact that Elliot says we're punting on the season if we don't let him play. I guess I just don't see it that way. I think the Bengals, in a little bit of a way, are good enough. I, I'll, I'll say this and I'll, I'll, I'm going to listen to you. You can't convince me that the Bengals are the Super Bowl favorites. And we all said that they should be. They should be. And you can't get by two or three or four weeks with somebody else at the helm and squeak out a win. Somebody help me out here on the fly. Squeak out a win against who in the next four weeks? It's the Rams, Tennessee, Cardinals, and the Seahawks. Seahawks. It is the easiest four-week stretch of the entire so, season. Of those four games, if this is a Super Bowl favorite, 
Because it's not just the quarterback, it's the defense, the special teams, and obviously the offense as a whole outside the quarterback. If you can't get a backup quarterback to go in there and try to find a way to sneak out two wins, you're going to have a really hard time convincing me that you're the Super Bowl favorites. No, no, and I agree, to be clear, I agree a backup quarterback, a good backup quarterback can do that. The issue is we don't have a good backup quarterback. Cooper Rush has had experience in the NFL before last year's game. So it's not, it's not like they were throwing out a rookie that's never played in the NFL before. Jake Browning, I don't believe, has taken a snap in the National Football League. So if, if that's what you're going to try to win with, I don't think you're going to be very successful. Jake Browning has not played in the game. If we have a guy like Carson Wentz, if we have a guy, I don't know, uh, Gardner Minshew, if we, if we have guys that have, have proven that they can play at some level in the NFL, I'd agree with you. I think you can go 2-2 two two in that stretch. I think you can win a couple games with Cooper Rush. I don't think you can win with Jake Browning. I Jake, do not. Jake and, Browning's, and, he's, and he's looked atrocious in the preseason. Jake Browning's first snaps were week one when we were getting blown out. So, yeah. L listen, guys, you guys are, are absolutely – Trace is absolutely right in when he says that Joe Burrow has, has not has, – has looked terrible and, he, and he's not helped the Bengals win games. But all I'm doing is I'm looking at – the most recent things that happened. Joe Burrow's played eight quarters, and he has played six of those eight quarters absolutely horrendous. Second half yesterday, he looked pretty good. He looked pretty good. The Bengals' offense looked like what we had come accustomed to knowing. Yeah, you could say he threw an interception in the red zone, but that was maybe his one flaw. He threw that one pass that looked like it was miscommunication out in the middle of no man's land in the second half, too. Those are the only two bad plays. Joe Burrow threw some really nice balls in the second half yesterday. And when you're looking at this Bengals team where we're still trying to make the postseason, we're still, I said, this team can still win 10 of their next 15 ball games. The next four games is the easiest part of the stretch. And going back, circling back to the question of, do I think Joe Burrow will play next Monday? I don't have an answer for that. I want him to play because though Trace makes the point in, Jake Browning has not played with the ones, the Bengals ones, yeah, he also didn't play against other teams once, and he looked atrocious against guys that were trying to make rosters. He looked very, very bad against with guys that are trying to make rosters, but against guys that were trying to make rosters. I don't believe that Jake Browning can win two of the next four ball games. Yeah. I truly don't. And yeah, like I said, it is the next it is the easiest four game stretch. I think we are highly discounting what the Rams have looked like this year. They looked damn good in week one. Yep. And they played a Super Bowl contender in the 49ers in week two. And for three quarters, played very, very good. This is a team that won a Super Bowl two years ago. And with a similar team that won that Super Bowl, are one and one. And when it comes back, when after, after this four-game stretch, then we go to the bye. After that... We start playing teams that can, can contend for a Super Bowl week after week after week. We're talking 49ers out of the bye week. Buffalo after that. Two weeks later, back to Baltimore and Baltimore. Then we bring on the Jacksonville Jaguars and Kansas City and Cleveland to end the season. That's a tough end. And maybe the better play, maybe the better play is to let Joe Burrow sit for the next five weeks and say, hey, we want you healthy because when we come out of the bye week, we need 100% Joe Burrow. But then I would argue if you're looking to get 10 wins over the next 15 weeks, three out of them, three of them got to come in the next four. And yeah, I don't think and, Jake and Browning gets three wins in the next four the, weeks. The other thing, too, that we're not considering is that the play calling will not help Jake Browning whatsoever. It's going to be the exact same offense, and we all know how that already is. The only way it works is Joe Burrow being perfect. 
I mean, putting <laughs> balls exactly where they need to be. Back shoulder throws. Are you really expecting Jake Browning to throw perfect back shoulder throws to Jamar Chase and T. Higgins? I'm not. The absolute most asinine thing happening in Bengals fandom at this very moment is we have 80% of the fan base going, man, the play calling is terrible. What is this play calling? It's terrible. And then we've got another 80% sometime crossing over on that Venn diagram that are saying, the Bengals need to play like the Titans. We need to limit the playbook. What the hell is that? Those are two competing things. Do we have guys or do we not have guys? And you can say, yeah, the run game needs to be a, be, needs to be a more centered part of the offense. That can be true. I'm okay with that. But at this moment, I see that the strength of this team is a guy named Joe Burrow 9, even if he's hurt. Is a guy named Jamar Chase. Is a guy named T. Higgins. Is a guy named Tyler Boyd in the Irv Smith game that we saw yesterday. But damn, oh damn, we've got to let those guys cook. And if you think that the best thing for the Cincinnati Bengals is to hand the ball off to Joe Mixon, who admittedly has been, as Elliot has said, has been our best offensive player for the past two weeks. If you think that the best thing for the Cincinnati Bengals is to hand the ball off to Joe Mixon 28, 30 times a ball game, I can't help you. That's not this Bengals team. We can't equally say that we need to open up the playbook and equally say that we need to play like the Titans because those things compete against each other. The way that the Bengals win is by having a healthy Joe Burrow and by passing downfield. That's what has always won them ball games. That'll win them ball games this year. I think you're assuming that we all want them to play Titans. I think we just want Joe Mixon to get a couple more carries early on in games. 20 carries. Is the, it? He, he should be getting like 15 in the first half and then five in oh. the second half. Let Joe Burrow get into games, right? Let him cook then when it matters. Let him play when it like really matters in the fourth quarter. Let him cook. 20, car 20 carries isn't Derrick Henry. 20 carries yeah. is a standard running back in the NFL. Yeah. You're doing your job if you're running back. You get 20 carries a game, 18 to 20 carries. Joe Mixon's not close to that number. And again, last year the Bengals were using Joe Mixon a, a lot, a lot in large part because when you're able to convert more first downs and score more points, everybody's going to get the ball more. But right now he's touching the ball 13 times. It's just not enough. It's not enough when you're averaging four and a half yards a carry. And especially, and, and I, don't, I don't think we should become the Titans. I'm saying that's what it's going to have to be if you have Jake Browning out there. And again, I don't mean to, I don't mean to shit on Trace's point, kids show, but he's not a good quarterback. He's proven he's not a good quarterback. He won't be a good quarterback in the NFL when he's playing real people. He's not playing third string bench guys that are just trying to make a living. You're playing professional athletes. Jake Browning is not a – and again, I don't mean to be disrespectful. He's not a serious quarterback. He's a guy who lucked into a job, and he's very fortunate to have one. Will Greer, I'd imagine, after, after Browning becomes an unmitigated disaster, mitigation, after he becomes a disaster in the, first two, in the first two quarters of the first game he plays, will be benched for Will Greer. These guys are interchangeable. They're nothing. They're nothing. Their job is to be a, a game manager and hand the ball off as best they can. But my, my main point, I guess, that I haven't even gotten to is, is what's the ultimate goal in the first place? What's the, what's the point? If the Bengals don't win the Super Bowl this year, for all intents and purposes, or not even just win, let's, 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 I'll even take it a couple steps backwards. If the Bengals don't win at least one playoff game, 90% of Bengal fans are going to say that it was a failure. The season was a failure. That's high standards I get. It's not easy. I get this. This is a franchise not long ago that would have told you they would they would they would give their left arm for a playoff win. But we're in new times now. This is a new era. And the truth is, is that at the end of it all, 
what are you playing for in the first place? If Joe Burrow is gonna is gonna be like this, I'm not trying to kill Joe Burrow when I say this. He's not good right now. You take Joe Burrow the way he's played in the last two weeks, and you stick him against any playoff team, and the Bengals aren't winning. Hold on. They're not winning any serious playoff games. I, I got to push back on that. Joe Go Burrow ahead. played. Joe Burrow played pretty darn good last just yesterday. For what? Two quarters. No, I mean, come on. Irv Smith gets his foot down. We don't know what that drive's going to be like. And then the other two drives, yeah, I might, I might, give you, might give you a pass on that. But Joe Burrow, all intents and purposes, played pretty darn good, was the only reason why we were in the game to begin with. 35 yards, I mean, 30, 35 yards at the half isn't good. Yeah, I know. Well, I, I'm, I'm, I'm saying, I'm saying I mean, there's, 35, one, there's 35, one. 35 yards at the half isn't an Irv Smith get two feet in bounds away. Yeah, That's, yeah it is. That's, That's a 20-yard play. Okay. So, so, let's, so he threw for 50 yards? I'm that you're missing the point though. You're missing like, the point. Right, if Casey, that drive continues, we'll if that drive Casey. continues, then we have a whole different conversation. I, I'm just saying, like, there's it was only one or two plays away from the the first half from being a completely different ball game. Well, yeah, I'd I just also argue... I, I think Joe Burrow played good enough to win a ball game. He made one mistake, one mistake that cost him the whole game, and I, yeah, I, that's I, we, the, that's the whole point is that the Bengals' offense only functions. To perfection when Joe Burrow's on top of it, 100%. So let's let's recap what happened in the first half yesterday. And I'm, I'm going to defend Casey a little bit here. And I'm going to push back on, on you guys saying that we need to get Joe Mixon going at the beginning of the game. This There was three possessions for the Bengals in the first half yesterday. Three possessions. The first possession, we do a screen pass, get six yards. We then hand the ball off to Joe Burrow on second and or to Joe Mixon on second and four. He gets the first down. Oh wait, holding. We do a run play. It gets holding. Now it's second and fourteen. Got to pass the next two times. Um, punt out. The next drive, we hand the ball off to Joe Burrow to Joe Mixon on first down. Second and nine. He gets a single yard. Then two incomplete passes. Ship it on out. Okay, that's the first two drives. The only other drive that the Bengals had, they go get a field goal. They go get a field goal. And, oh, it was via the air. Granted, it was a defensive pass interference. And, yeah, it was a 14-yard rush by Joe Mixon. Other than that, it was through the air. It was, it was the long run or the long pass to Joe Mixon out of the backfield. It was all these things. Like, they, they, they just didn't have the ball. The Ravens shortened the game in the first half. Joe Burrow, he looked incredibly antsy. He, he didn't look himself in that first half. That is true. I said that. I, I told that to Elliot while we were watching the game yesterday. He, he looked very, very antsy. Didn't look calm in the pocket whatsoever. Didn't let plays develop. But they also just didn't have a whole lot of opportunities to run their offense in that first half. The first two drives were three and outs. One was brought back. They get a first down, and it's brought back because of a holding. They just didn't have a whole lot of opportunity. So to, to say that they need to, to do more exotic things or, or maybe to, to hand the ball off, I just don't see that. I just don't see that in the first two drives. It just came down to a holding penalty and an Herb Smith getting his feet in. Yeah, my, really quickly before Elliot makes a point here, my main point is that Joe Burrow has not been good. And I know that Casey's pushing back on that. I'll agree to disagree with Casey. You can watch a game and maybe you have two varying opinions. I just think if we use the word objectively a lot around here, objecti ob objectively, when you watch this, Joe Burrow is not the same guy He's been in the past. He's Man. not been that guy. And again, if you want to convince me and you think in your heart of hearts that if you take the Joe Burrow the last two games and you think that you can go win a playoff game, I just don't think it's I, I don't think it's possible. I don't think it's possible. Elliot, 
No, it's not possible, and he has looked bad. It's, 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 he's been atrocious. <laughs> if onlys and butts were candies and nuts, then every day would be earned to donk fest. That's how it is. So if we're going to say that, yeah, if he doesn't go, th- if he doesn't get three and out back-to-back drive, sure. If he th- if he throws for six hundred yards, he's a great. Co- I mean, it's just hypotheticals, right? I know it's a sports talk show, and that's our jobs. But at the end of the day, he hasn't looked good. He hasn't looked confident. He hasn't looked ready to play football. It's because he hasn't played in the preseason. I've been a guy who's who's an adamant saying that. You shouldn't play these guys in the preseason. Why risk their injury? I am now fully on the other side because I've been proven wrong again. Clearly, clearly playing the preseason matters. Clearly, every time the Bengals start these seasons, they're not ready to play. Joe Burrow hasn't been ready to play. He didn't look good. He hasn't looked good. If you want to say that he looked good for two and a half or one and a half quarters yesterday, you can go ahead and say so. But he did not look good for two and a half quarters yesterday. Joe Burrow did not look good. Yeah, but it, there's got to be some perspective to this, guys. The first drive, he's inches away from converting on a 20-yard gain on Irv Smith in the first drive. Then the second drive, yeah, one-yard rush from Joe Mixon. Right, the next he's... two play calls were two – one screen to Jamar Chase that was blown up. And then the next one is a dump off to Tyree Williams – or uh, Tyree Williams, whoever our backup. Travion Williams. Travion Williams. And he stumbles and gets a yard. I mean – those aren't great play calls either to let Joe Burrow cook either. Like, and then afterwards, that's when he starts really feeling it. After the, that, that next, great the, in the second half, he looked great. Yeah, I mean, I I don't know what you want from him. I mean, I thought what he a complete game. Yeah, how I mean, you how, do you, how that, do you? But you don't bring up the interception. That's a horrible interception. Yeah, dude. that's the one. That's what I'm saying is but that that's there's, a there's, one big play. Like, that's, yeah, that's that, part of the conversation. Like, if 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 you're gonna give him credit for all the other things he does well, like, does Joe Burrow? And maybe, maybe, maybe it's not the, the the maybe it's not the the calf that was the reason he threw the interception. I'm not going to sit here and speculate on that. But again, Casey, like I just don't think that you can convince yourself that if Joe Burrow plays the same way he's played the last two games, that they're going to have success this year. Because ultimately, it's already proved that they're 0 2. Well, yeah, that's well, yeah, that's my point. Like that, if that, he plays like that all year, and then, is it going to get right. better? How's but it going to get better? Get... But here's the thing: is are, are we forgetting what happened last year? Like, like we're, I know, I know it's a little different because he's actually actively different. dealing with an injury. He looked worse last year than he did this year in the first two yeah, weeks. Yeah, he had through he five interceptions the first four, game. He had five turnovers against the Steelers in week one last year. Five freaking turnovers, four interceptions. The, his rookie year against the Chicago Bears in week two, he threw four interceptions in that game. What are we learning about Joe Burrow other than that it takes him time to understand and, and get used to it? This is We've seen this now for three years. This is year four of it. This is year four that Joe Burrow has not looked good in weeks one and two. So I'm not ready to discount what Joe Burrow is because I've seen what happens after week two. I've, I, I don't know if you guys have. I don't know if you watch the Bengals. But from week three to the end of the year, they've looked damn good. And yeah, he's actively dealing with an injury. He's actively doing that. But he looked damn good in the second half yesterday. He looked worse last year in the first two weeks than he looked in the first two weeks this year. I disagree. And I'll tell you why. It's because, and again, interceptions they are horrible. They didn't hor- score a single inter- point intercept- in the first half against the Cowboys last year. Interceptions are horrible. I get it. But they were able to move the football last year. They moved the football against the Steelers. As, as atrocious as he looked in that game, he was still able to move the ball throughout the entire game. He has not been able to do that this year. He has not been able to complete passes. And this is the fact, if we want to say Irv Smith should have got his feet in. Passes? What he are you talking got, about? He what do you mean, what am I talking about? He's, he's like above 65% in completion. I mean, it, it, that's not, Joe Burrow is fine. He's fine, okay? that The problem is the play calling. The problem 
is not his performance because he played a great game yesterday. I don't know what you want. 27-41. He's 56% completion for the year. That's two games. He's, he hasn't looked good. We're saying the two games. Uh, yeah, he had a great he had a great second half yesterday. He had a great quarter and a half. Right, that's the most recent thing that we've seen. And Joe and Joe Burrow and Joe Burrow is a great quarterback. I'm not saying Joe Burrow isn't a bad quarterback. Trey said, "Do you win in a playoff game with this team?" No, no. Joe Burrow hasn't looked good enough to win a playoff game. That is a fact. He's throwing 56 percent completion for the year. Which brings me, which brings me to my ultimate point that we got into before we got in this little little, little rut, which is fun. Everybody has a reason as to why they feel like things should be better or worse. And you know what? Obviously, Reed and, and, and Casey both believe that the sky is not completely falling, and they have reason to, to, to back that up. My main point to the whole thing that I was bringing up was this, is that if you're going to convince me, and you're not going to, that Joe Burrow's fine and they're going to be able to basically stick with the uh, the status quo and they're going to be able to go win relatively meaningful football games with the way that he's played lately, I'm not going to buy into that. And my main last point to this is, is if he isn't if he isn't going to be the same guy he's been the last two weeks, then you don't play him anyways because it's irrelevant. That's how I look at it. If he can't play the way that Joe Burrow's capable of playing, not skittish, extending plays with his feet, being able to sit in the pocket and throw the ball down the field and not worry about getting hit, those are three things that I don't think that have been the case the last two games. If he can't do those three things, then you're not going to win these meaningful games that you're talking about later in this year. So unless he gets healthy, it's irrelevant. It's a mute point. You're not winning football games at a, at a, at a relatively reasonable rate to be able to get into the postseason. You've lost the first two games. If you think that Joe Burrow's played well enough in the first two games to win, you got blown out in Cleveland, which I guess you got blown out before in Cleveland and everything's been a-okay. But the last point I'll make is this. If you're a Bengal fan and you're thinking everything, no, I'm not saying everything's a-okay, but I think you're also forgetting the fact that you've been a little fortunate the past few seasons. This isn't normal to do. You don't just win eight, nine, ten football games in a row. You don't just get that luxury every single year. This isn't like, oh, it's just going to work out. Don't worry. Joe Burrow's going to figure it out. We're going to go win eight straight football games in the NFL. If that's the recipe, then be my guest. Good luck. See where it gets you. It's not going to get you far. Because at the end of it all, Joe Burrow has to be the Joe Burrow that I come to know. The one that's a nut cutter at the nut cutting times. He doesn't throw those interceptions. He finds a way to scramble out, make plays, throw the ball 20 yards down the field, and get a big play from Jamar Chase. In the AFC Championship game, yes, maybe he's maybe he floundered an opportunity at the end of the game, but he looked like Joe Burrow. He makes plays that other guys can't make in the NFL. When I've watched the last two games, I never once thought to myself, wow, if that wasn't Joe Burrow, there's no one else that can make that play. Maybe a couple throws, maybe a couple at the most. But my main point to all of this is I'd rather take the chance. I'll openly say it. I'd rather take the chance on the four-game easiest stretch of the season. If you want to convince yourself it's hard, be my guest. That's fine. The NFL's hard every week. But if, if now's not the time to try to get Joe healthy, it's never. I, this is your best chance. I just want to, I want to add to that real quick because I disagree with that. Because if you sit Joe Burrow out these next four weeks for the easiest part of the schedule, assuming Jake Browning is a competent quarterback, which nobody in this room believes he is, right. Trace, you wouldn't bet your life on Jake Browning to win a football game these next four weeks. You wouldn't do it. 
Nobody would. I don't know if I bet Joe Burrow would this, this last <laughs> Well, that's on you. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. Even, even if you sit Burrow, he has five weeks with the bye to get healthy. You come back to the 49ers and the Bills, Joe Burrow has proven throughout his career he's not good right out of the jump. So now you're, you lose those two games too because that's what Joe Burrow has done for his entire career. He comes out, out of these injuries, out of these breaks, and he doesn't look good. So now you're, you lose those two games too. Assuming you survive those two games, you go two and two in the four that he missed. You're 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 two and six, and your season's over. So that's that's my knock on that. That's why I think it is openly not openly. You don't have a choice, but it is tanking the season if you were to start Jake Brown and you don't have a chance to win. Yeah, I I, I think everyone is making a point here and there, and then we're arguing over the finite details of of what we're talking about right now. And the the, the truest point that I've heard so far is Elliot saying. That if Joe Burrow takes all four weeks, what have we seen to say that he's gonna he's gonna cook right out of the gate, right? The, the the Bengals have a decision to make at this very moment. They have a decision to make at this very moment, and we can we could argue about it because that's what we've been doing for the past thirty minutes. Is, sure. Are we going to play this year with a banged up Joe mix or Joe Burrow injury? If if the answer is yes, if we want to if we want to try for this season. Then, it's, then then that, that answer has to be yes. We're going to keep playing Joe Burrow, and we're going to say, hey, listen, hopefully he gets a little healthy. Hopefully we can keep him on his feet. Maybe he'll get a little better. Maybe he'll get a little worse. But Joe Burrow, we're riding it out with you going forward. And maybe that, that hurts us in the long term, but it's either that or if we put Jake Browning in there, I don't think that it's likely – I don't think that it's possible. Holy it's certainly God. not likely that J- Jake Browning wins two of the next four games. So at the very at the very best, you're looking at two and four. At the at the worst, you're looking at zero oh and six. More likely, you're looking at a one and five season, going right. into going into the bry. So it's it's essentially the the only question we have to ask ourselves are can are we are we okay with playing a banged up Joe Burrow going forward? That's the only question. And at this point, I'm saying yeah. That's a fair point. We're going to move on to the uh, Cincinnati Reds right after this. So here's the deal. I can be convinced of what Elliot just said if you're going to convince me that Joe Burrow needs how many weeks. This is the one thing that I don't know that I would need to know to make this ultimate decision. How many weeks do you really need realistically to get this thing to where it's not, uh, I'm, just, I'm just not 100%. That's, I'm not, what is that? What is that answer? If that's 10 weeks and, and, and a doctor is going to look me square in the face and say there's no risk of hurting something more severe – which is really ridiculous. I don't think that's even possible to say. I think that if you're playing, if you're playing impaired, there's a chance to get hurt. Farther more than if you were playing unimpaired. Right? So, beside the point, if they can't tell me that he can't rupture his Achilles or tear his Achilles because his calf's a problem, and that's not really a thing, then all by means, if it's just the calf and he can't really it can't really do something to it that would hurt him long, long term, then sure. Play. If that's what it's going to be, 10 weeks, it's irrelevant. But if it's only three or four weeks, and they're like, you know what, if he gives us a month, this is what I would be willing to sacrifice. I'd say, okay, if you can gut through it against the Rams, the Titans, and the Cardinals, and the Seahawks, then at that point, we're going to rest you during your bye, you're going to sit against the 49ers, and you're going to sit against the Bills. Why? Because I could argue that even if he was 100% healthy, and even if he played perfect football, and by perfect I mean really good football, you still could lose those games. All right, it's NFL. And I'm just suggesting if, if you were going to want to punt, if that's the term that people want to use, you could punt those two games, 
get a three-week window to where you get full rest, full recovery, and maybe come back and you play the, the Texans as a warm-up game. And I get it's the NFL, but if there was a warm-up game out there and there was ever a time to get a chance to have a preseason opportunity, it would be against the Texans. And then right after that, you're in the home stretch with the Ravens, the Steelers, the Jags, the Colts, the Vikings, and then the Steelers again, along with the Chiefs and Browns. That's the home stretch. And you convince yourself that you got to win whatever that would be. Six of the last eight games with Joe Burrow healthy. That's it's a good idea in theory, but there's you don't I mean you don't selectively decide when your player is dealing with an injury when he can take a break. If he's injured right now, he's injured right now. Playing him, making him suffer the next four weeks doesn't doesn't help his three week abs or his three week absence when the Bills and 49ers uh, are against the Bengals. So if you're gonna bench him, you bench him now. You don't wait. To re-aggravate the injury and then bet you don't it's it just doesn't work like that in theory you're correct i would it agree work, I would, it could work that way i if would you agree don't, with if you. you don't hurt it worse like if you yeah. can't make it any worse then you just play on it until you get a little bit of a break and then at that point you decide okay now we try to get it fully healthy i don't know those answers i and to your point that's why i wouldn't play it. because basically what you're admitting is that it's going to get collectively worse and worse and worse and worse right. until right. you give it a chance to get healthy and I'm what I'm my my point is is if you think it's going to get worse and worse and worse and worse this is the last point I'm making you ain't winning shit yeah you ain't winning shit cuz he's looked like shit the last 2 weeks and if you think it's going to get collectively worse for the rest of the year you ain't winning nothing you can put your blinders on and think the Bengals are good enough to win football games the way Joe Burrow is playing right now you're not you're not because we don't even know and again I've been been nice in saying that I think the Browns are pretty good I think the Ravens are pretty good but to be honest with you, you don't know. The Browns might win five games. The Ravens might win seven. I don't know. You just don't know. So maybe the, maybe the Browns, to your point, will be in the AFC Championship game. And maybe the Ravens will win 12 games this year. And all is well because we just, those are two really good teams and we're overreacting. Or it could be the opposite. I'd, I'd put my, we'll see. I'd put my life's money that the, the Ravens will win more than seven games this year. If, if, Joe, if, if you give me the caveat that Lamar Jackson <laughs> plays every game. That's fair. But for, and, and, and we'll wrap this up with the, the truest point that has been said through this entire debate is the, the worst part of this is that it is a calf injury, which if you don't know anything about calf injuries, out of, out of any injury that a player can have, it lingers the most, right? Like if, if, you, if you hurt your arm, you're just out, right? If you hurt your calf, you can play on it, but it just sits there. I don't know if you ever had a high ankle sprain or any of those things, but those that just that lower extremity on the leg, it just lingers and lingers and lingers, and you can play on it, but you're not 100%. That's what is making this maybe maybe terrible talk radio is because we get to sit here and debate for, for hours on end if they should play Joe Burrow or if he's going to be healthy or not. That's, that is the most frustrating part is, is the injury itself is just such a fickle injury that sometimes he's 100%, sometimes he's 50%. It's just such a weird injury that it, it just it, it makes it such a hard decision to make for the Bengals, for the fans to, to discuss it. It's just hard. It's just really difficult. All right, speaking of injuries, uh, the Cincinnati Reds are in a situation right now where I'd guarantee you they made the postseason if they didn't have injuries. But that's just not how it goes, is it? Uh, for those that haven't been paying attention, perhaps, and by not paying attention, that's a little too harsh. For those that didn't see Graham Ashcraft's out for the year. Uh, Matt McClain's taking batting practice to see how he feels. Uh, the issue is, is uh, I don't know if Matt McClain's really going to come back either. And the issue ultimately ends up being there's no some there's 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 no hope like there was earlier this year, whether it was false hope or not, it was hope nonetheless of people coming to save the day. 
right? Remember back in when we had some starting pitching issues and, and everybody was like, that's all right, don't worry. Hunter Green's on his way. Nick Lodolo's on his way. Graham Ashcraft will get back to form. All will be right in the world. Maybe we'll bring up Connor Phillips for a start or two just to give him a little bit of time. That's not coming. But what is, what, what is the case is this. Is as bleak as it does feel at times when you look at the starting rotation. Which is basically, <laughs> for all intents and purposes, <laughs> not a lot. Okay? I'm not trying to be Debbie Downer here. I love my Cincinnati Reds as much as the next person. But if we're going to look at ourselves straight in the mirror with a straight face and act like this isn't going to be some monumental task the Reds are trying to carry out, it would be lying to yourself, okay? It would be lying to yourself. Real quick, real quick. Uh, so this is, the, this is the starting rotation right now. Connor Phillips, start of the year in AA. Yep. Ben Lively, minor league free agent. Hunter Green, missed two months of the year. Andrew Abbott, start of the year in AA. Brandon Williamson, an ERA above seven in AAA this year. This is our starting, this is our starting five. This is our big five. This is remember the big three. You remember the big three? <laughs> no big three anymore. It's the five now. It's it's the it's the future five. Go ahead. Sorry, I interrupted. I just the had to make five. the point. The Fab Five. And, 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 and listen, this isn't a knock on the Reds. This is just laying out what it is. Do I think they can do it? I actually do. I actually think they can do it. I think they can make the postseason. I think they have just as good of a shot as the other five, four, I guess, if you include the Reds. So for those that are wondering, it's as simple as this. You got 11 games, five teams, two spots. The Cubs, unfortunately for Reed, I told you a week and a half ago that let's not, let's not even worry about the Cubs. They're playing decent baseball. They got a two or three game cushion with about 15 games to play. There's no reason. They're playing the Rockies. Then they go play the Diamondbacks, who are you know, basically a fringe playoff team. They're probably going to win a game or two there. Don't worry about it. That's not what happened with the Cubs. They've fallen back to the pack. So you have the Cubs a half game up, the Diamondbacks half game up. You have the Reds sitting there. You have the Marlins sitting there. And you still have the Giants, who are, who are a couple back. Although the Giants just gave an absolute birthday present to the rest of the playoff teams by losing two of three, or three of four, excuse me, in course. Which is bad. The Rockies are a bad team. So what's next? What do you expect from this Reds team is the question I would ask you. I don't expect a whole hell of a lot. Does it mean I'm punting? Does it mean I'm giving up? No. I'll be watching every single pitch. You know why? Because I was told one thing and another thing happened with this Reds team. I was told they would be out of it after the first month of the season. In fact, I went to opening day and there was a pristine person. Somebody that knows ball a lot. Looked at me after they lost on opening day and said, well, that was the last time that the Reds had a chance to be over 500. That's the vibes that were around this franchise to start the year. There was, there was people making fun of the fact that the Bengals didn't get a primetime game because the Reds might be in the postseason. Oh, the Reds, they might actually play in the wild card, so they can't do a Monday night football game. What a joke. The Reds suck. Why are we stopping the Reds from playing from, from the Bengals playing in prime time? I don't know. But I know there's 11 games left, and they're right there. But you also have to, be, you have to admit 
you have to be a little honest with yourself that if you think that we're going to run out, Connor Phillips, Ben Lively, Abbott has been good, yes. But can we at least admit he might be on fumes here? Struggled, struggled, been struggling. Might be on some fumes. Hunter Green has looked excellent since he's come back, and by God, we needed him. And you know what? The city and the people that have deemed him as a bust and said he's he's basically just a guy that has a fastball that's straighter than West Texas, which I've said at times, you got to give him some credit. Hunter Green has had a couple starts now where we've needed him, and he's delivered. The New York performance is one of the best ones he's had since I've started watching him, and I don't care what you can say. Uh, with the stakes being what they were, that was the best start I've seen him have. And yeah, you can say he had he gave up three runs. By God, he pitched unbelievable. And you know what? Credit Alonzo. He had a big home run. But we're at a point now where I'm just going to try to enjoy it. I'm going to try to put aside the bias that I think that the Reds probably don't don't have the talent. They don't have the starting pitching to find themselves in a position where you should expect them to make the postseason. But by God, if they were healthy, I do. I'm not even talking about Lodolo either. I'm talking, if you just give me Ashcraft back and you give me McLean back, I expect to make the postseason, quite honestly. But that's not what happened. And that's not what's going to happen. So now we're in a point now, fellas, where... It feels like, not to bring up bad vibes around the city, but it feels like you're the underdog in a game. You got to overtime, and you have the opportunity to go for two, and the Reds right now are breaking the huddle to go for two to pull off one of the greatest upsets in the history of football. That's the analogy I'm using. It might go awry. They might get sacked, and it'd be a 15-yard loss, and they lose by two. But they just might pull off a miracle and they run a Statue of Liberty play and run into the side of the end zone and everybody goes crazy. And I know you might think that I'm overhyping this or saying that it's more than it really is. They were supposed to win 64 and a half games, people. There's 11 games left. And for all intents and purposes, they're tied to get in the postseason, Elliot Rearing. Yeah, I'm going to make a couple points. Number one, you're right. So I don't expect the postseason at this point. However... However, to say that there is not a sizable chance that they are in, if they continue this, you win two or three, two or three, two or three, I would, I'm, I'm, I'm going to need two games against the Guardians. It's only a two-game series. You're going to have to win both. But if you can only lose three games remaining in the next 11, if you only lose three, you're in the playoffs. Easy. That's, you're in the playoffs. Mm -hmm. You take care of business against the Pirates, dead. Cardinals, dead. Twins, not really dead. But the Guardians, also dead. You're playing three dead teams in the Twins who are a historic joke. Historically, they're the biggest joke in the MLB. Um, so, so right now, you take care of business here. You get through this. 11 games for the rest of our lives. I'm not saying we're going to win a World Series. But if there's a chance at the postseason, which there very much is, you take it. You run with it. The Reds, have a, the Reds are good enough right now to make the postseason. They're playing three dead teams and the Twins. Bad. Four teams that just suck. They can do this. You're able to do this. The bullpen, God love these guys. God love Ian Jabot. God love Derek Law, Sam Mole, Sam Mole, reliever of the year. All these guys are giving you a chance to win games. The offense has picked it up. The offense was dead for about a month. They're, they're slowly bringing it all the way back. Will McClain come in September? I think he will. I think he will. If they, if they take care of business against the Twins and the Pirates, I think he'll be here for the Guardian Series. I do. If that's the case, I love our chances. Love them. 
I know it sucks with Graham Ashcraft. That injury just, I mean, it was just a cherry on top of a whole bunch of pie. But it's right now, right now, we have a chance to make the postseason. And like he said, 64 wins. I saw people still making fun of David Bell yesterday. That's got to stop. Can we stop making fun of David Bell? Are we at a point yet where we're, we're all man enough to admit that David Bell is just good? Are we, are we able to say that? Are we able to say that David Bell saved the season? If David Bell is not the manager of this team, that the Reds are going to be that the Reds were going to be a colossal disaster. The Reds have used 40 pitchers. 40. I don't know who the hell Carson Spears is. Carson Spears. Spires. Who gives a shit? I listen. I, I these guys are bums. They're bona fide bums. They've used 40, and David Bell has managed to get through it. Ian Jabot has pitched 3,000 innings. 3,000. David Bell has done more for this team than, than any manager of the past 10 years. Dusty Baker, shout out. But David Bell, I mean, to sit yesterday and say David Bell's response, we're not taking out guys when we got errors. What are we doing? Stop saying David. it's David Bell's fault. They were predicted 64 wins. They've used 40 different pitchers. We've got 10 guys who've had coronavirus. Ellie De La Cruz is launching fastballs at Noelvi's faces. I mean, this is, I mean, this has been a, one of the most preposterous seasons of all time, and we still have people saying it's David Bell's fault? David Bell? David Bell's a hero. I mean, this guy's Batman. Reds have a chance to make the postseason. David Bell's a good manager. The Reds are alive. They're more than alive. Joey Votto's going to be a GAVP for the last time this week, I think, right? Is that right? That's right. So take advantage of the Joey Votto era. Joey Votto era at Great American Ballpark's coming to an end. Go see him one last time. Reds can make the playoffs. This is 11 games for the rest of our lives. 11 games. We take them day by day, game by game. 11 games for the rest of our lives. If this team makes the postseason, this will be the happiest I've ever been as a Reds fan. It will be. And the other thing I would add to is this, is that even though the starting pitching is as abysmal as I just mentioned, and it is abysmal, it's bad. And I know there's going to be some folks that want to take that and run with it and say, well, I thought you said you didn't need starting pitching. Okay, listen, there's one thing that you can't do as a general manager. You can't forecast injuries. It's impossible. It's impossible. You just can't do that. If you wanted to say during the offseason that this team should have gone out and gotten a starting pitcher, all right, be my guest. But you'd also been the same crowd that would have screamed and yelled and said, why'd you go sign up? Why'd you go sign a middle-of-the-road uh, starting pitcher when you're supposed to win 64 games this year and you won 70? Who cares? Why'd you waste the money? You should have saved that money for the next season. That's the game those idiots play. Why? Because they're never happy until, until, quite honestly, they're right. And then they're right, but they're also sad because the Reds aren't good. It's, just, it's a vicious cycle. I don't understand it, but whatever. Keep living in it if you want. My point is this. They have a chance to save the season with the bullpen. They've already done save the season with the bullpen. But David Bell, I think, is going to strategically, and I hope he does this. David Bell should strategically go all in on certain nights. You don't have to win every single night right now, clearly. And I would even argue, out of the 11 games, if you win seven of them, you, you still have a chance here, Elliot. I'm not saying that it gives you a great chance, but out of, the, out of the 11 games they have, they have three off days. If you win seven of them, I think you got a chance. I think you go all in in games that you have a chance to win. So that's where I, I, I come back to this offense. If this offense can do one thing for me, I ask, please, jump out to an early lead. 
score some runs at the beginning of a baseball game one time. So it's three, four, five, nothing maybe. And then from there, David Bell has the opportunity in the third or fourth inning to go take out that guy and go all in yep. and, and just try to win that night and, by God, lose the next night. I know that sounds crazy, but if you got Ben Lively throwing tomorrow, go all in tonight, try to win, punt the next day. And maybe you'll get lucky one of these nights where the offense will score 12 or 13 runs. Feels like it should be due by now. It hasn't come in a long, 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 long time. I know everybody wants to make fun of Trace for always saying that the offense is fine. Quit worrying about the offense. You always say they haven't scored runs. Look, they scored six runs this way, six runs that way. This offense has not given this team a chance to breathe many nights. It's always high leverage, high stress situations. The only reason we're having a conversation right now for the, for the Reds to even be in this position is because the bullpen has come in in the third and fourth innings multiple times with a one-run lead, and they've held. I don't know how the hell they do it, but they held the lead for like seven straight innings, six straight sense. innings. It doesn't make sense. It's ridiculous. It's time for someone to show up on the offensive side. And I get it. Hard hit balls. They've looked better. I'm not saying that they're, that they're losing games one to nothing time and time and time again. I'm talking about real production. I want 8, 9, 10 runs. That's what I would like. And I want early leads. Because if they can do that, they gave David Bell the opportunity to go all in and just make it, make it as simple as this. You got Sam Mole. You got Ian Jabot. You got Lucas Sims. You can convince me that maybe Derek Law. But at the end of the day, you got Diaz after that. And you can get through four or five innings of some really good arms and just believe in the fact that if you got a two or three run lead, you're going to win the game with the bullpen. And if that ends up failing and the bullpen ends up failing because they've run out of steam, then guess what? Season's over. That's just part of the way it goes. You're not good enough to make the postseason. One would argue they're not good enough to make the postseason right now based off who they have. When you look at other teams and the starting rotations they have, ask yourself, really, are we being realistic as Reds fans? Probably not. Should we be? Probably not because we were told one thing and we've gotten something completely different. So I'm not, again, to be clear, I'm not here to play Debbie Downer. I'm not here to play, you know, pessimistic trace in regards to what the Reds should and shouldn't be. But they have a chance with the three off days to just go all in on the bullpen. And I know we've already buried those boys, Elliot. I know it. I, 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 I know. I know we have. I, I, I get it. I, the bullpen should not be the – they should not be the thing that I keep saying that we got to rely on to win this game. Like, I get it. But Daniel you know what? Duarte is still on this roster. That's where we're at. Duarte's I mean, been great. I know, but that's what I'm saying. You don't know who these people are. I mean, I know them because I'm a Reds fan. But if you go on the street and you say, hey, why don't you go – I'm going to give you 10 pictures. You have to point me out Daniel Duarte. You just don't know. And maybe that's because baseball does a bad job of, uh, <laughs> of promoting players, probably. Rob Manfred, shout out. But it's, it's this bullpen being this good when I thought it was going to be the worst part of the team is crazy to me. I mean, it's a top 10 bullpen in the MLB. They've saved the season. They've been the best part of the season. I don't know. I, I think there is a serious chance. I, if you win eight, I think you're at 86 wins. You win seven of the next 11, you're at 85. I'm, I'm, I, right now, I'm saying you have to win eight. You have to win eight of the next 11, which is a tough ask. It is a brutal ask. But I think, I think that's where we are. Unless the Cubs truly go on the worst collapse I've ever seen and the Marlins die. But I don't think the Marlins are going to die yet. I think the Giants are dead, I think, I, and I think that's it. The Diamondbacks have been playing good ball. The Marlins have been playing good ball. So... We'll see. Eight wins f makes me feel confident. Eight wins, we're in the playoffs, boys. And if, if that doesn't get us in, we can all go to bed happy. 
not happy. I mean, it, it sucks. But it, it, we can go to bed knowing that the Reds did everything in their power to make the postseason. 86 wins, 22 and a half games better than what they were projected is wild. I mean, it's just, it would be wild. It would be wild given all the circumstances that have happened. So, season's not over. We take it tonight. We'll see you at GABP. Twins, game one. And you know what? All these games are playoff series. Game one. Game one tonight. Game two, game three. You got to win two or three. And if I, the thing I disagree a little bit with with the punting thing, if there's an if there's if you're able to sweep the team, you have to at this point, just because we're not we're not we don't have a lot of games to play with. If you're able to sweep, you sweep. I don't think I don't think tanking would help us at this point because it does seem like that's kind of what yesterday was when you throw in Carson Spires. But we'll see. David Bell, that's that's my manager. Forty different pitchers, Reds, eleven games for the rest of our lives. Casey's prediction, alive. Still alive. End of September. 90 wins is going to be tough. Well, 90 wins is impossible. But but the good news is you don't need 90. You need 86. Maybe 85. Maybe even 84. Who knows? Reed, if you had to guess, I know this isn't a topic of conversation that you really want to get into. And I'm not going to make you get into it because I know you're a little down in the dumps there. The, uh, the Cubs have, have, have squandered a, a, an excellent opportunity. Um do you find yourself in a position now where what what what's the number in your mind? What, if you had to say this is the number that get in the last postseason spot, it is what? 85. 85 was always the number that I wanted to, to get to, and I knew that they would get in. Now, I, I put that number in my mind before they when they were uh, 76 and 68 or whatever they were, um, but they played seven games against the Diamondbacks. They won one of them. They played three games against the Diam or the Rockies. They won one of them. Now they got 12 games left. They got to go seven and five, and they play six games against bad teams and six games against really, really, really good teams. So we'll see what happens. See what happens. Everyone's talking about how bad the the Cubs bullpen has been. It's not been good. It's been it's been the bats though. The bats have have gone quiet. But yeah. I digress. No one cares about the Cubs here. It's not about that. I, I listen. Here's the tough thing with the Reds to swallow too is that some of these teams that they're playing right now are teams that you know like they, they, that. It just sucks that the that the Marlins got the Braves on the back end of them winning their winning their division. And I'm not making excuses. I'm not here to say like, oh, the Marlins didn't earn those wins. They did. I mean, the, the Marlins earned those wins. They swept the, they swept a really good team. Yes, but it sucks that they got them when they got them. It also sucks that we have a situation right now where, um, and I don't have it right in front of me, but you have a situation where the teams that we're fighting for in a wild card spot, the Diamondbacks and the Giants specifically. Are, are playing against a Dodger team that they still have something to play for. But I'm worried, if we're being honest, that the Dodgers at the end of the year are, are, are not going to throw their best, their best arms because they're just trying to get all rested up for the postseason. The Braves as well. So the Reds, although, yes, they have a weak schedule, I don't know how much help they're truly going to get from these higher echelon teams when we need them to win baseball games because one team's got everything to play for and the other team doesn't have anything to play for. Now, you can make the case for the Reds that, that, that the other team doesn't have anything to play for. Yes. Um, but they lost the series against the Cardinals a little bit earlier th this month and nothing's given. Nothing's given. But I do think the Reds, if they can find a way just to, to get hot with the bats, that solves all the problems. That's the, that's the one place... That's the one place that I feel like they're due. We don't have any left-handed pitchers coming up. None in the foreseeable future. What does that mean? That means you're probably going to see Joey Votto a lot. You're going to see Jake Fraley. 
which is good for this Reds team. I don't care what the numbers say. Maybe the numbers tell me something different. I don't. I really, honestly, at this point, if 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 you're going to convince me that this Reds lineup is better and or equal when they face a lefty as they do a righty, we're just not watching the same game, and we're going to agree to disagree because ultimately, at the end of the day, we're not going to get anywhere. We're not going to get anywhere. Jake Fraley is the best hitter on this Reds roster. When he doesn't play, it's not good. He gets to play for the next six, seven games. We'll see after that. The Reds team has as good of a chance as anyone else. For those that are wondering, the standings for the wild card go as such. As a reminder, yeah, the Philadelphia Phillies holding the top spot. They're three and a half games above the final wild card spot. That is because the Diamondbacks hold a half game lead on that final wild card spot. You have the Marlins who sit there, the Cubs who sit there, and then you have the Reds a half game back. The Cubs and the Marlins have some tough opponents left, but so do the Diamondbacks. The Giants are the team that we can't have catch the Reds because they don't hold a tiebreaker, and the only other team that has a tiebreaker are the Marlins. So to be clear, if you're going to root against someone at night in your scoreboard watching, you want them all to lose, yes, but you definitely want the Marlins and Giants to lose. Because if the Reds could find themselves in a position where they tie the Cubs and or they tie the Diamondbacks, they're in there. It's a weird spot. You got five teams for two spots. I don't know, man. It's going to be fun. I I'll leave it at that. I'll leave it at that. As we end today's show, I will just tell you it's going to be fun. I know as a Cincinnati sports fan right now, it's a little, it's a little, it's a little tough. It's a little tough. The Bengals, they have a lot of questions to answer. If you're a Reds fan, there's no questions to be answered. The ball is going to be sat on the mound tonight at 6:40. You lace them up, you see what happens. There's no saving grace. And to end things, as always, to our good friends from United Dairy Farmers, we have a cherry on top, and I'm hopeful, I'm hopeful that this will brighten your day just a little bit. Thank you for joining us. I know many of you probably didn't want to turn it on today because you're just sick and tired of, of, of being upset about your favorite team not, not playing the, to the standard that you expected them to play. But I appreciate you coming in nonetheless. So without further ado, this United Dairy Farmers, cherry on top. Attentional grounding, offense number seven. It's a 10-yard penalty. I'm talking to America here, excuse me. It's a 10-yard penalty and a loss of down. Second down. That is the best line I've ever heard out of official. We'll get to the penalty in a minute. He just told Geno Smith, I'm talking to America. Pete Carroll is livid. Well, he wasn't pressured. It's, it shouldn't be grounding, right? Yeah, and it was really, it was clearly, it was not a throw to get the ball out of his hand. It was clearly miscommunication between Tyler Lockett. <laughs> Trying to talk to America. <laughs> so am I. All right. We'll be back better than ever. Why? Because we do this show every single day, Monday through Friday from 10 a.m. to 12 p p p p p p p p p p p p p p p p p p p p p p p p p p p p p p p p p p p p p p p p p p p p p p p p p p p p p p p p p p p p p p p p p p p p p p p p p p p p p p p p p p p p p p p p p p p p p p p p p p
So we'll be back here tomorrow at 10 o'clock. We hope you join us. Take care, everybody.